Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fing. We're back, man. Episode yes, 212. Yes, sir. Let's get into it. Um, first off, we want to start off by recognizing a new milestone of ours. Um, yesterday marked the fourth year of this podcast. April 9th. April 9th. Mm-hmm. And the significance behind that is from the day we started four years ago, we have literally released content every single week for four years. Mm-hmm. And the, and what's crazy is is like how many things that have happened through that stretch of four years, and we still remain consistent. And we've paid attention to different storylines and all kind of shit that has happened all over the world. Whether it's been Nipsey dying and Kobe and Ukraine and fucking COVID and all this shit, we've literally yeah. throughout the whole pandemic when people had stay at home orders, we still did the podcast. Yeah. That's nuts, man. Like, we could have made up any excuse, but we just felt like in our hearts we had to come and come in. And uh, at that time, we were at my apartment. Yeah. And we had to still do the content regardless of how we perceived COVID. Even when COVID was at a time where motherfuckers thought it was the plague. Yeah. I was like, we still got to do this content, bro. We was in here during COVID. Yeah, we was. But at the beginning, we was at my apartment. At the beginning at of the COVID, beginning, we was at the apartment? Yeah. We had a podcast called COVID 2K. We did it from my apartment. It was, it was called coronavirus, coronavirus or Corona 2K. At the apartment? Yeah, bro. When we first started, I tried to bring up the coronavirus to you right before it blew up. And you was like, eh, I don't want to talk about that right now. And then we mm. went into it. When we talked about it, we talked about the origin of it and when it came. Supposedly, it came from bats and shit mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, man. That's crazy. Four years, dude. I, I think when you really love something um, and you are willing to go to bat for it, it like life is going to test you. Yeah. You know, whether you're built for this shit or not. I've had crazy shit happen in my life. But I, I'm not going to hog the microphone. I'm sure Keith has something to get off his nappy head right now. I think what I uh, what I realize is that we can, we can lie to ourselves about anything, right? So right. if we weren't um, doing episodes during a pandemic, you can make up an excuse. You can say, yeah. hey, I, you know, it's... It's the pandemic and, you know, we can't uh, we can't meet up or we can't find a way to do it. Um, But at the end of the day, like um, one of the things that I learned recently is like all you got as a human being is your word and and your integrity. So for us, it's just like it doesn't matter. I was just on the phone with my cousin and he was like, hey, um, can he's moving from New York to to Nebraska and he was like, hey, can you still help us? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I could definitely help you. But I told him, I was like, just let me know ahead of time so I can organize the, the podcast. So I can, right. you know, figure out if we got to record one a little bit early or whatever the case may be. So that is always like no matter what, you know, no matter if it's a birthday party, a football game. It's it's just we've always made it a point to record a podcast and um I think that's a testament, you know, just to us as people um, and holding ourselves accountable. And it's also a possibility of what we can do if we kind of put the same type of work into every aspect of our lives. Like I'm not even operating at the highest clip I should be. You know what I mean? And I'm only I'm only now opening up the, the possibilities of, you know, the things that I could do. Or the, even the things that we could do with the podcast, you know what I mean? Like we've been more consistent with posting clips and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's only gonna go up from here, 
and it's just us you know what i mean it's just me and eddie like just yeah, doing no. the majority of of the work so yeah. you know no big production no big companies behind us or anything i just think when you have your passion driving you and you have like a grassroots freaking support from people you know mm-hmm. what i mean we 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 don't have anybody pushing us in the amount of people who have listened to it thus far. It's pretty amazing mm-hmm. how many people have taken time to listen to the podcast. Probably because they actually give a fuck about what we're talking about. Yeah. And I think the people that have listened for four years, they get a sense for who we are and that we're not going to get out here and say some fake shit. Yeah. Like we've, I think one of the main ways to engage an audience is to say things about yourself and be, and be honest. And, and sometimes it's to a fault. But what it does is it gives people uh, a, a real take of not only who you are, but who they are. So, for example, if I was to be the cool guy and say, like, man, I don't even care about women. I don't let them stress me out, you know, and, you know, I just go on about my day. If I was that cool guy, you probably would tune out. But the fact that I said I've been through serious situations where, you know, I got mistreated or lied to or hurt by a woman and I was crying and calling my homie at two in the morning, stressed out, yeah. trying to figure out my life and shit. And pick up the pieces. Like, that's what real people go through. Yeah. We could try to be cool about shit all we want, but when you go through traumatic situations or things like that, that's what real people go through. When you go through situations of poverty, growing up poor, you know what I'm saying? And being embarrassed and not having certain things or having your electricity cut off. I've been through things like that before when I was a kid. And, you know, even as a man, certain situations that we go through and certain moments of embarrassment like i'd rather take people along that journey with me rather than hold things from them and now they can't even feel better about being themselves yeah the the only way we can connect as human beings is to share our truth right um and i think that's what that's what why our podcast resonates with people you know even last week when we we posted the clip about um you know, being on dates and or being talking to different women and them speaking about past relationships in, um, you know, in the conversation, like even something as small as that people, especially men connected to, you know, because yeah. a lot of them, you know, a lot of them could relate it, you yeah. know, going going on a date and you spending 50, 60 dollars on a female um taking her to a nice dinner date and she bringing up some some ex or something. Somebody's like going to tell you like 50, 60 dollars is not expensive for a date. Well, <laughs> take me on a date then. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's that's not. I hear yeah, that's yeah. neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that there's so many things that people go through, yeah. and they they can't find a platform that properly represents the real result or the real reality that people actually go through. Yeah, some people are just too cool to admit that they've had trauma or they had to go to therapy or they've been poor or they've been insecure or whatever. Yeah. Like it's it's like it's crazy how I remember I was with this chick and um we had broke up or whatever and I was like I I unfollowed her on stuff and then I was literally still would go to like her profile to like look at what she was doing even though we had broke up. I and, for sure do and, that. And, too. It, and it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing to admit that I did that. Mm-hmm. But then you find out how many other people have done that. Yeah, niggas, niggas be doing that. Yeah, I've done it, and then you wonder like, who is she dating or what's going on? Yeah, and it and it shouldn't matter at all. But you do this, and it's because we're human beings. 
mm-hmm. and we have emotions and feelings and we go through this stuff, there's going to be somebody too cool listening like, I ain't never did that. I ain't never looked at I ne- all, all my old hoes. Like, yeah. I all my old hoes, I moved on from them the next, the next day. Yeah. Like, okay, buddy. The same motherfuckers mm-hmm. that say that are the main ones that be in the house crying. Yeah. Crying and screaming and yelling, or or they don't cry in real time, mm-hmm. but they will watch a freaking romantic comedy and they be bawling their eyes out because it remind me of they uh, remind not them even of that relationship. So, some men have a false sense of masculinity. I'm I'm man enough to admit that I've cried over being hurt by a woman before, mm-hmm. you know. But most men will be like, I ain't never cried over a bitch, cuz. But you go, you go. And cry. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the, I hate this idea so of stupid. like. I hate the phrase people great uh people what's he say people grieve in their own way. Right. That's not it's not real because when the our natural state of being is when we're a child, right? Mm-hmm. When you're when a child is hungry, they're in pain, so they cry, right? Mm-hmm. When a child finds something funny, they laugh. When a child gets hurt, they you know, if they hit their head on the corner of a table or something, they Mm -hmm. cry, right? Those are our natural human responses. Mm. So we don't just grow up and then all of a sudden you don't cry because something Mm. is sad. The world molds these things. Yeah, that's just something people have made up. So people be like, oh, he didn't cry at a funeral. You can't really, you know, people people grieve in their own way. Like, no, you want to cry. Yeah, 100%. That's just like, but you have probably built up so much. Yeah callous on your emotions to where yeah. you don't even cry no more yeah or you're gonna be one of those people that go in the shower and turn the lights off and cry that that's what i'm saying <laughs> like niggas the hardest nigga has cried over a female if a female if you catch your female cheating i should probably stop saying female because i think they say that's disrespectful but yeah, if you if you catch your girlfriend cheating on you um and you the hardest nigga from the east side of bakersfield <laughs> You're gonna be crying in the shower, yeah, like he said. Because you you have these this moments of this moment of like feeling like an imposter. Yeah. You know, like I'm I wasn't good enough and you had to do this to me, or you know, and the thing about it is it would make you a human. So yeah. and and I hear some of these fake dating guru guys be like, if you find out your girl cheating you with another man, that's fine. Let her do her thing. Just do your thing. And it's like, bro, it doesn't work like that. Not not every dude is built up yeah. to where you break up and I'm just on to the next person. Yeah. If you can do that, you don't have a soul, man. You you don't have a soul if someone can hurt you and you just snap out of it immediately and go somewhere else. Yeah. With 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 I would say most people, if you can do that, then you don't even have how do you say this? Like you date people the same way you like wipe your ass. Mm-hmm. In that case, like you just use them you like toilet paper. You don't even care about people. You don't even care. You just yeah. dispose of people. Yeah. But when you have a soul and you actually care about another person, it affects you in a deeper way. Especially when you when you've done right by somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I ain't gonna front. I cry. I was crying earlier today, and mm-hmm. I'm still like low key emotional about it because mm-hmm. I've been doing this forum, and what I realized about myself is that um, as a child. I, there was a moment in my childhood when I was a little nigga at McKinley Elementary Mm -hmm. and I realized that I was poor. Oh man. And I was very insecure about it and I would compare myself to to other people and it kind of like, it kind of shuts you down. Yeah. And what, what, what in turn happened is me resenting my parents because they were not as affluent as some of my other friends' parents. Yeah. So 
it's led me to as a 30 year old man be like um holding on to this like this uh like uh disdain and then also this this comparison to like specific people in my life that I knew back in elementary Hmm. and what I had to do is call my mom and tell her like hey you did a good job with us you know what I mean because um it was it was a thing to where like I was just always had it in my mind like like she's like less than in a sense you know what I mean and and it's not money is not even real Mm. it's just cotton like Mm -hmm. And what was happening also is it was robbing me of the joys in life. Like I can have X amount of dollars in my stock portfolio, but it was just like it's just not enough. Or it's, mm-hmm. I could accomplish, I could buy a new car, and I'd be like, oh, it's cool, but you know, I want the I want the Maybach next time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just cried, and I couldn't even like get out the conversation I had with my mom, but she was she was able to to relate to me. And going back to that idea of sharing, like that's all I essentially did. I just shared her, mm-hmm. shared with her my experience, and in turn, like she was able to say, like, "Hey, I grew up the same way, and I felt the same way when I was a kid." And yeah, um, and yeah, but above all, I had to tell her, like, "Yo, you good? Like, don't worry about, don't eat. I don't even want you to apologize to me for." Mm-hmm. that um, for the way, like you were just a byproduct of my grandma mm, and my grandpa. Right. And you pushed it a little bit further, mm-hmm. but like I got it from here. Like don't even worry about that. Yeah. And I also removed that 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 uh, crippling feeling of like placing so much uh, emphasis on economics, you know what I 100%. mean? 100%. You, yeah. you have to realize that You know, people talk about like generational trauma or passed down trauma, but there's also the trauma of uh, of financial illiteracy. Yeah. Right. And once that's passed down, if you're not an outlier, then you're going to perpetuate that same cycle. Mm -hmm. Right. You're going to have kids and you're going to pass down poverty to them unless you have this outlier mentality, unless you're so tired of being in poverty or poor that you're like, fuck this. I have to figure it out. And. I think for for me, um, I've I I think we've done a good job of figuring it out, but we're still figuring it out. Yeah, we, we I'm just at the like it's this gray area. Yeah, I'm still in the beginning of whatever this it's is. It's this gray area in between success and poverty. Poverty. There's mm-hmm. like poverty, and then there's like I don't even know what's in between. What's above that? There's poverty and like a uh, bougie poor. I don't know. And then yeah. there's, then there's like gray area. Bougie poor is the niggas that's. Roasting you at school, but they still get free lunch. Yeah, you roasted me at school, but your mom still gets food stamps. Exactly. Right. You just you just uh, shop at the better stores that uh, still accept EBT. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she gets to spend a little Yo, bit more on fo- on school clothes because because you got food stamps. You got food stamps. <laughs> you know what's crazy too? Um, it's nuts because I physically had food stamps when I was a kid. We had yeah. the real booklets Without with food green stamps. Green and brown. They had different color mm-hmm. food stamps and I was always so embarrassed to use food stamps in the store or around my friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. But truth be told, most of them probably had fucking food stamps too. It was yeah. sad is being poor to people back in the day was almost like a disease. Like everybody was too uh too embarrassed to be poor. Yeah, for sure. And we was like literally we was poor. Like we was we didn't have a lot. Yeah. I don't imagine my child being poor, but I 
I want to remove that emphasis of like monetary things from their life because mm. that's kind of like you're just having that conversation and relieve so much um, stress off of myself that I didn't even know I was harboring. Mm. So if I could like, if anybody like mostly like my younger sibling, I mean not siblings, but my nieces and nephews and stuff like that. Like it's it's so crazy too that you you realize like. Um, I think the ideal space for anybody is to be a child, right? Yeah. Because when I look at my my niece, it it doesn't re- like her living situation is not even a thing. It's just it's just where she's existing, right? She right. has no perception of anything else. Like she she has some idea of like, you know, what wealth looks like or what, you know, other people may have like this type of car or whatever, but she's just existing in a world where none of that actually matters. She mm. just loves yeah. her family and she loves being around, you know, people right. and hanging out and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden it clicks where you like, where your eye opens up. It's like when, uh, when Adam and Eve ate the apple or whatever the case may be. And then your eye is just like completely open to people's perceptions and jokes and you mm-hmm. know people roasting you and stuff like that but that's the sad part when mm-hmm. the innocent when the innocence fades yeah it's yeah like, you know what children are so innocent and mm-hmm. they don't realize that you know they're gonna get older and become the worst versions of themselves and people say that's not true you become better version but in ways we become better and worse like you go from being an innocent child and then now you're a democrat now you're a republican now yeah. you're you're pro life now you're pro choice now I'm I'm uh um what do you call it uh I'm non-binary mm-hmm. I'm this I'm that. and it's like all these different themes start to dis- start to slowly diminish who you really are to your core and just separate everybody just yeah, it separates everybody like we're walking down this line is just kids just it running through fields of daisies, right? And then it's just like all these different things just separate just separating us. everyone. When you become aware of different races and ethnicities right. and religions and stuff. Yeah. I think about when I was a little kid and the friends like that I had and that used to play uh play with during recess and it'd be like this skinny white kid and then this fat black kid and then this Mexican kid that barely spoke English and then mm-hmm. this Filipino kid and then this other it's just all these different people. We, people we were just mixing. kids playing games. Yeah. We were just playing games. We were just kids and then we all became adults and then that all fucking changed. And now you don't talk you don't even see them anymore. You don't even see them anymore. And if you mm-hmm. did see them, their perception of you might be different because everybody split off into these groups. Yeah. And it's nuts, man. It's mm-hmm. crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Like I think back to like I spent I lived seven I lived in Delano for seven years when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I was one of the only black kids, but I never thought about being the only black kid. Yeah. Because all of my friends were just my friends. You're just existing. One of my best friends spoke zero English. Yeah. His sister spoke him and my my my, my sister and his sister were good friends mm-hmm. and and uh his big sister spoke English, but he didn't. Yeah. And he would be speaking to me in Spanish, and I knew what he was saying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the language didn't even matter then. Because yeah. when you're a kid, you're just having fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you go from that to where people now are like, speak English in America. What are you doing here? Yeah. You shouldn't be in America if you're not speaking English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard somebody one time say, stop speaking Mexican. What the, <laughs> fuck? What the fuck does oh, that man. even mean? <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, and it's sad. And probably the same person that's like, stop speaking Mexican. He probably had a bunch of Mexican friends that were really back in the day, huh? back when he was a little kid, mm-hmm. and he was, and he hadn't had his innocence robbed of him yet. 
Yeah, by his parents or by, you know, the news or whatever. Influences. The biggest mm-hmm. the biggest threat to a child is influences. Mm-hmm. And that's that's crazy. I don't yeah. really know how we got here. But Yeah. I but, I guess you know to kind of wrap it up. Mm-hmm. That's my goal to kind of reach back to that youthfulness where you just right. don't care. You don't even care about the results of like, you know, you know, we think about like extending yourself to do something. Like I was I was telling my friend the other day, I was like, um, my niece will ask for gum and I'd be like, nah, not right now. And then an hour later she'll come back and ask for gum again and she'll be like, Hey, can I have a piece of gum? I'm like, nah, not right now. Or I'd be like, ask me tomorrow. And then as soon as she wake up, she'll ask me, you know, for gum. So it's like, but as an adult, say like, you know, say you're trying to apply for a job or something like that. And they'd be like, oh, we're not hiring right now. You just walk away and never turn your application in ever. Man. You know what I mean? So like I say, I'd say like that youthfulness is where I want to be. I don't know about that, nigga, because if you really need a job, I'm coming back. People get people get turned by a no. But back in the day when down. I back in the day when I didn't have a job, I went to the same places like six, seven times. They'd yeah. be like, they'd be like, Eddie. They, yeah, they, they knew you by name now. They knew me by name. You wearing the same slacks, Eddie. <laughs> that same wrinkly uh, button up. It's <laughs> like, do you have any other clothes? <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed they, to ask me that question. Niggas you, for sure wear their church clothes to the job You hiring or not? They be, they be going to job interviews in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you wore that. So you wore that same uh, outfit to church, bro. That's hilarious. Yeah, but you yeah. know, you know the dude that ain't got too much dress up clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they wear the same black slacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But no, nah, this all in all, uh, to you know, the, in this little brief conversation here is throughout these four years, um, you just go through so much figuring yourself out, and you're doing it in real time, talking, you know, talking on microphones. And I'm sure people who have listened to this podcast over the four years, your life has changed. You probably had kids. Yeah. You done, you done yeah. got married now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, you got a house now. And just just know that although we don't know every single person that listens to this podcast, just know that we got a genuine love for you, man. We yeah, got for we sure. have genuine love for, for you and the fact that you've taken the time for four years to tune in to two guys that are just going through life just like you. I'm not, I'm not Charlemagne. I'm not some big, popular, rich guy. I'm just like you trying to figure out life, doing what I love every week. That is all I yeah. am. And you know what? Like, if anybody want to know the secret sauce to how we got this podcast started is um, I was talking to Eddie on the phone one day, and he was like, hey, we should – we should." He I, Eddie had already actually – did yeah, like did some low key solo podcast. podcast. Yeah, I did. Um, and then I was, I don't even know if I just invited myself or if it would just kind of <laughs> organically happen. But I was like, all right, like let's record on. I don't know if it was a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever. Yeah, I just pulled up with my with my laptop and, and a microphone, yeah. and we like literally just started talking. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing is just to do it because I know it's a lot of people out there yeah. that be even listening to this or people that I know personally. You know, they be having like actually dope concepts for podcasts mm-hmm. or they you know them as a person is dope and i know that they will have dope takes on different things but they just haven't done it and right. you know me and eddie can only do so much as to like try to push you in that direction yeah excuse me but i just think um 
you just gotta start, man. Just start, just start somewhere. Yeah, and start just and figure put it, it out. out. Yeah, figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's why we're here. We didn't, we knew we had a, we had an identity as like as people. Um, we had podcasts that we looked up to, um, and then that was just like what we based it off of. Yeah, and, and then now we have our own kind of structure and our own system and our own kind of uh, voice to podcasting. And you know we've been running for four for four years now. Yeah, I hate to say this because I don't want to sound pessimistic, but I think if you want to do a podcast with a co-host, you have to find someone that you have a great relationship with who is willing to fight for that that dream or that thing just as much as you are. Yeah, and that's hard to find. I literally cannot find anyone else that will sit across from me for four years straight every week. I just don't have anybody else in my life besides Keith, that I would rely on to do something like that. Mm-hmm. That is a very tall task. That is a very tall task to to assume that somebody else is going to do that. The average person would have missed at least, over four years, Keith, they would have missed at least nine to ten podcasts. Minimum. As many days as y'all miss work is the amount of days that y'all would have missed podcasts. I'm just too tired to do it right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, bro, I've came in here. Bro, everything that we've been through, the, the reason why I know we're going to be successful and and may, this is going to be a very lucrative podcast is based on the fact of all the things that we've went through and we just got on the microphone and just was able to still talk. You mm-hmm. know, the, we've had literal losses in our family. Um, I'm dealing with, you know, a loss that will happen in the near future with my own father. My father's mm-hmm. terminally ill with cancer. So we... I, he broke the news to me that he had cancer while while I was we were, doing, while we were already mm-hmm. recording, mm-hmm. and I came right back and finished the podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is what I was born to do, and I'm going to die trying to do it. Yeah, it's facts. Like, I've been up since 4.45. I went to bed last night at like 11-something, you know what I mean? And I'm here thugging it out. It's it's uh 9:37 p.m. right now on a mm-hmm. Sunday night. So you just that when you realize that um all we do is make excuses for why we don't do things. Yeah. Then you re- once you remove that and once you realize in your in your head that this is just an excuse. Yeah, exactly. Like you, can, you can you can make an excuse for anything. anything. I could have said I'm too tired. Eddie could have said, you know, I need to spend more time with my family, spend more time with my pops, yeah. whatever the case may be. Um, and those are those are valid if you yeah. think they're valid. But you know, when you got a when you got a goal and you got something that you you made a promise to yourself that you was gonna do, you just do it. Yeah, I I just feel like I have to get on here, too, because it it allows me to, I won't say decompress, but I I can never, I I almost feel like this is the best way for me to communicate a message out to people. Mm -hmm. Because this is a very old school thing that we're doing, believe it or not. Having a conversation is almost like an antiquated, uh, 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 like, uh, I guess, a way of communication. Because what people like to do is they love to communicate through text messaging now, which is a horrible way to communicate. But we love to send a text. Just just text me. I don't feel like talking right now. We make ourselves so fucking important. And then we send these little bullshit, hardly any context text messages and go back and forth. Or people communicate on social media and write tweets that are limited characters. Then they go to social media, uh, Instagram, and post yeah. a little selfie with uh, the cool captions. So we, the reason why podcasts have became so big is that we've literally lost what it feels like to communicate in long form 
right? I, this one dude was, I've seen this one dude, he was texting and he was like, fucking arguing with my wife. Bro. Over a text. That you better tripping. get her on the motherfucking phone. Nah, that's trash. If, if, if I'm married and my wife try to get mad at me on text I, and I call you, you don't answer, we ain't talking until I get home. Mm-hmm. I'm not about to argue with you over a fucking text. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's just. Yeah. But, but this is what we've been reduced to as a society is communicating through short form communication. And I feel like when people listen to this podcast or other podcasts they enjoy, it's people having a old school connection and communicating and giving as much context as possible. And it's so much easier to digest than a text or a tweet or a cool picture with a cool caption. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is kind of in a superficial realm, but... um... Have a, have a girl, like you've been chopping it up with a girl, mm-hmm. and she'd be like, oh, I don't really like talking on the phone, but I'll give you a call later. And then y'all be on the phone for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Chopping it up. But I'm going to keep it real. It's because my conversations be fire. <laughs> that nigga Eddie got the fire conversation. Oh, yeah. My conversations be fire. Just <laughs> just because like a, I'm, I, I'm not trying to be cocky, but who I am. Mm-hmm. I, like I could take a woman who is kind of like reserved, and I will be vulnerable enough and quick-witted enough and and listening and all of these things enough to where by the end of the call she could be like yeah that's crazy now she's like divulging all this stuff about herself now yeah now she's like yeah i got naked a few times and skinny dipped in the pool it's no big deal she's saying everything like i've i've got you to admit that you'd like swimming naked and you were the girl that was like i just go to church and i just go to school yeah but now you're telling me that's what her bio say yeah her bio's like just school and church no Mm. boys right now no boys right (laughs) no boys by the end of the call, she's like, yeah, I mean, I love giving head. I love. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Uh, it's phone sex at the end of the conversation. Yeah, that'd, that'd be crazy. Now, imagine if you like talking and she's like really reserving at the end of the call. You're just like, yeah, it's crazy. You want you, should, you could come over right now if you want. That's... I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. What's your address? <laughs> That's oh. I, 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 I wish I would know like. I feel like for men, we already know um, you want to smash somebody based off of how they look, right? Mm-hmm. So when you go out, you are you you are already at a hundred. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think women tend to be maybe attracted to you, which they may be like halfway there, mm-hmm. and then through uh, lunch or dinner, whatever the case may be, that's gonna be that deciding factor if yeah. it's gonna it's gonna get them to i've noticed that even women that don't like me still like me mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is this even if they determine like maybe that they don't want to fuck me or they don't want to be with me or whatever i've noticed that i've kept a pretty healthy relationship with these women over the years mm-hmm. like they're not like just out of there like it's still it's still like on the spectrum the spectrum of fucking probably yeah 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 yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and it's like i'm not i'm not trying to do that because women don't owe me anything mm-hmm. sex nothing but I feel like I'm a person that can communicate and I'm pretty decent and respectful. So even if they decided like that they don't want to be with me in a relationship or whatever, I just communicate in such a way that it made them comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess my question is like I would want to know from women like is there a, is there a moment when they decide like, yeah, I'm going to give him some pussy. Yeah, when I make like, when I make it's two million funny. when I when they when they write an article about me in the newspaper that I got a two million dollar uh, no that we we got a fucking uh, uh, as a collaborative we got oh, four yeah. million dollar podcast wet. Spotify deal <laughs> that's that's what yeah. you're like Eddie I've always thought you were really cool 
Uh, yeah, that. But I'm, I'm talking about more so on a date. So say you're on a date. Oh. And she kind of still on the fence. And is it like a joke you say? Is it a type of vulnerability or, you know, whatever? I think yeah. it's when the light switch comes on. I think a woman is waiting to like towards the end of the date to total to have a full evaluation of when they want to give. Yeah. Like women know initially based off your features and how you look if they want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're that guy, if you're that that three percent, that super like uh, a defined jawline, really in mm-hmm. shape, handsome guy with a nice head of hair. You're over mm-hmm. six foot. They know they want to fuck you in the first two seconds. So, sometimes it, it's not because I'd be thinking it's a moment sometimes if mm-hmm. a girl's on the fence. But sometimes the date is just due diligence. Yeah. Sometimes a woman is like, I just have this rule in my mind. I got to go out at it one, on one date with him. Yeah. And then on the second date, I'm going to give him some, you know what I'm saying? Women be in their own head about if they want to fuck somebody. But like, if they're like, I don't know. Will he respect me? I don't know. But I just want to get, I just want to have sex. But I want to have fun. But I don't know. He might be a good boyfriend. Yeah. Like, they go through all these moments in their head. That's funny. And it's like, first of all, like, you, like, women, you don't owe us anything. But if you want to fuck us, we'll take it. Yeah. That's pretty much how I look at mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I think that women, when they're on dates, they they have they evaluate you based on how comfortable and safe you make them feel too. Yeah, that's probably so, the one at the top. That's the one. Yeah, like even if I determine during the date that a woman like she ain't giving me no pussy or she don't like me like that, that's fine. I'm still gonna be making her laugh. We're still mm-hmm. gonna be cool. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, how do you know? Like if say I can tell, I can tell, like a like a career, not. What do you call it? Um, there's like an energy towards you or something? Yes, there's an energy towards you that's like a little playful, but it's not like I want to fuck you, mm-hmm. right? You can tell when mm-hmm. a woman is sexually like into you, when yeah. there's like unnecessary touching and, gra- yeah. and grabbing of some sort. Like a woman will be like, you're crazy, and just randomly like scratch the back of your neck. You'd be like, yeah. damn. That's funny. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I don't be knowing, but for the most part, I think it's in the, the depth of the conversation. Right, right, right. Like if it's fluid... Like if it be if it's if a podcast, I mean not a podcast, but if a conversation with a woman mm-hmm. sounds like um like our podcast where it's just like I'm feeding off of her, she feeding off of me, I'm cracking little jokes here, she laughing, I'm laughing at her jokes, and I know it's like yeah. yeah. And if you start poking fun at a woman too, and she's like really warm to it, that's another mm-hmm. way to tell. Yeah, like she if she's like eating it. dessert or something, you'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. are you like that cookie? Do you like puppies? Yeah, and they're like, what puppies? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did that cookie turn you on? They're like, oh my god, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> women are—they'll play along with. Um, I'm not saying like sexual innuendos, but if it's like a in a comedic sense, yeah, they'll play along with it. Like if they really, if they really feel that comfortable around you, mm-hmm. still doesn't mean they owe you pussy or they're gonna give it to you. Yeah, but the chances of the pussy rate going up go about twenty five percent. It's about twenty five percent. Potential uh, uh, pussy rising on, <laughs> on, the, on the Dow Jones on the stock market. <laughs> the pussy Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Whenever I, I think about that, I think about like the news coming on, like mm-hmm. a little ticker at the bottom, little ticker. Oh man. Uh, oh man, I was pussy is up two point four percent. It's a billion dollar evaluation on pussy today. It'd be an old man. Pussy is up ten cents a gallon. <laughs> <laughs> a barrel of pussy is skyrocketing. Today. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That'll be wild, yo. <laughs> I'm pretty sure once we get another, like, five to ten years, we're going to start seeing a lot of, like, hip-hop, like, influences in the news. It'll be like, a barrel of WAP has went up now 4%. Nah, facts. Yeah. You're like, wow. Yeah. Y'all talking when about pussy start turning into NFTs, it's over. No, nah, it's over. Then you're going to have fucking, uh, 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 what's his face? Always oh, talk about NFT. You gonna have Gary Vaynerchuk like uh, right now? What's going, what's going on? <laughs> Fucking NFTs are really going up. The price of pussies going up a lot. You just need to eat. You need to eat shit for about four years. <laughs> I told you guys three years ago to invest in pussy. Nobody listened, and look where it is now. Pussy. I was selling pussy in baseball cards <laughs> for four fucking years. And finally, I took the NFTs and the baseball cards, and now I'm fucking doing it. If you want to really laugh at what we're trying to describe, go to go to YouTube and look up Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. This guy is a fucking mogul, man. I found pussy at yard sales, and then I flipped it. Astronomical <laughs> amounts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Shout out uh, Gary V, man. All you need to do is get an LLC, get an LLC, some baseball cards, and fucking eat shit for four years, and you could totally do it. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Gary V comedy. Gary nah, v. the one with the, the dude that did the head had me dying. Oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> that dude is so funny, man. <laughs> it, the dope part about Gary V is he actually laughs at those, yeah, he does. those things. Like I, I feel like... Some people be taking themselves too. I serious, love Gary, man. man. I love Gary. I would love to have a conversation with him as long as he's willing to actually listen. We gotta have like a. Um, we're we're gonna have guys like that on here eventually one day. Yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk is definitely one. We have to have like a, um, how would you call it? Like a Jeopardy style conversation with Gary V. Like we have a we would talk, have our little dialogue or whatever, and then we gotta chime him in. Cause if not, he just gonna dominate the conversation. He's gonna be talking before we chime him in. That's what I'm saying. Like he need a his microphone gonna be on mute, but yeah. we're gonna be able to. I hit the little button right here, and it'll be like, okay, you can talk now, Gary. Yeah, it's basically gonna be like that show on ESPN back in the day, Around the Horn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Like, and as soon as we press it, he already talking like fucking NFT. <laughs> like, God damn it, Gary, fuck, he's still talking. <laughs> Shit, that was funny. This guy doesn't stop. <laughs> All right, uh, switching gears. Um, recently, within like the last 11 hours, T.I. got booed. <laughs> he got booed doing comedy. And, you know, we all know T.I. from, you know, being a, a legendary hip-hop artist, but he tried to step into comedy recently. And last week, he had an issue with a female comedian at an open mic because she cracked a joke that it had to do with like the sexual allegations yeah. with him and his wife. And he's like, don't be talking about that. Now nah, I'm saying, like, nah, don't even crack jokes on it. Now nah, I'm saying real talk. Like, that nigga's out of pocket. Crazy. Like, you're yeah. supposed to be a comedian. At least try to be funny. And then this he. It's the worst week of his career. Oh, which man. is unfortunate because he just did the um, Gangster Grills thing with yeah. DJ Drama. And it was like, a, it was a high. And now it's back to ground yeah. zero. It's ridiculous. But yeah, he basically, what he ended up doing with that comedian last week is he went and almost intimidated her, gave her a hug with the, like a kind of a forcible hug, and then ripped the microphone <laughs> away from her. And I yeah. thought that that was like corny. That's if, OD. Yeah, if you're supposed to be a comedian, you don't get up there and you know intimidate women while they're up there, mm-hmm. and, or intimidate any comedian for that sense. But a woman, more importantly, like mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing? But now this week they're booing him. Yeah, and they're booing him because he wasn't funny. Okay, and basically what ended up happening is says Ti just got booed badly at the bar. Somebody put Barclays Center. It's Barclays, right? 
Is it Barkley? Charles Bark? Charles is it the Barkley Center or the Barclays? Hold on a minute. It's Barclay. B A R. It's Barclays. A Y. Some motherfucker said that. Oh, it's the humor meal. But it says Ti just got booed badly at the Barclays Center, Brooklyn. More to come. Bro, that's not how you spell it, motherfucker. You got to pick better articles, bro. No, it's not an article. It was a tweet. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's People saying, but this is what they're saying. They said, man, all comedians get booed or all comedians bomb. I, I agree. I think you can bomb as a comedian, right? But I think that if your intention, it's a difference between bombing and getting booed, though. There's a big difference. If you bomb, no one's really laughing. If you get booed, you suck. No, bomb, you can get bombed. And bomb, I mean, when the whole be. audience is booing you, man. Mm-hmm. A bomb, I've seen a bomb that wasn't great, and people weren't booing him. You know, but who knows? Maybe maybe what happened last week influenced some more of the booze. You know what I mean? I think I think people um might be tired of TI. Yeah. I think they kind of fed up with TI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going 30 minutes at a fucking open mic. That's disrespectful to other comedians. Yeah. You know, you're up there because you're TI. Sometimes you have to realize that that aptitude that you have will not always be transferable into other things. So when you're when you're a rapper and you're you're successful at that, that doesn't mean you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. It doesn't mean you're going to be a successful comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I would never want to, I would never want to tell somebody what they can and cannot do. But I think that once you become immersed enough in the the culture of comedy or whatever you're doing, you start to realize how not funny or not great you are. And I don't think he's had that moment. And I think he deserved to get booed. And I think it's awesome he got booed. Because hopefully now when he comes back, he's he either is going to come back with a different sense of how he needs to deliver or, you know, he might realize comedy's not for him. And it's OK because, mm-hmm. dog, like the way he's telling jokes, I looked at some of the tweets. One, one of the tweets said that he took way too long to deliver the joke and it was, just wasn't funny by the time it got delivered. It, it didn't seem like a joke. It nah. just seemed like he was telling a story. Nah, it's not like he was telling the story. Let me see if I can pull some of it up. Here it is. Oh, shit. The volume's down. Okay. Well, I think you guys get the you get the hint there. Uh, basically, he's trying to tell a story. Uh, the story wasn't too great. Uh, <laughs> but here's the problem, though. This is what I hope is not going on. A lot of times, when you're like a <clears throat> a rapper or a megastar of some capacity, and you try to display humor, there's not going to be a lot of people around you to tell you like, "Hey, that wasn't funny what you said," or they're they're not going to sit there and not laugh at your jokes. They're going to laugh at your jokes, and they're going to be over the top. And say, oh, damn, man, you should be a comedian. When you get enough people around you over the years that are probably telling you that you should be a comedian, you get a false sense of how funny you actually are. And you could take your non-funny ass up on stage and suck because so many people have sucked your cock (laughs) just to be your friend all these years. And now you get up in front of real people who really want to laugh at jokes and you're not funny. Another thing that I don't like is... He was uh, one of the comedian or one of the openers, I guess, at the Barclays Center. There are so many other comedians that would that deserve that type of reception. But mm-hmm. the fact that he's T.I. put him in that building and he ain't funny. 
And it sucks because, fuck, man, it's kind of privilege. Yeah. Yeah, because my thing is this. As a podcaster, I've done stand-up quite a few times. Not a bunch, but I've done it. Mm-hmm. And I've I've written, I still write jokes. I have tablets and papers and all kind of jokes written down because I actually care about the craft of comedy. And yeah. I don't want to waste people's time. You have to realize, even at because I've done some shows, and you have to realize there are people who probably have a babysitter for the night. And, you know, they they paid to have a babysitter. They probably paid to get some nice clothes from uh, Ross or TJ Maxx. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? <laughs> They've paid to go out to an event and actually laugh and enjoy themselves. So as a comedian, when you don't do a great job and you get your non-funny ass up there and you don't make them laugh, they're going to boo you. You know what I'm saying? I had to get somebody to watch my kids to come to this shit and you did this horribly? You got to think about that, man. I think the good thing about this, the good thing about comedy, if you're not taking it serious, not, not even if you're not taking it serious, but in any capacity, comedy is going to humble you. 100%. You can go to <clears throat> some open mics, get some get some laughs here and there. You can go a couple times to open mics, get some laughs here and there. Then you may go to a show out of town and you think those same jokes that worked at your open mic is going to work at the show mm. that you're doing and it just don't it just right. don't work. Um I think for TI like he had like an unrealistic uh rise to I guess these shows because right. he's TI. Exactly. And uh, to me it's it's no fault of his. He's you know one of the greatest rappers of all time. So it, it just he's just too famous to be kind of doing the the run of the mill type of stuff. Um but I, I think for him, what what happened for him is he got some uh, he got these he was affirmed on his way up in terms of like it's T.I. So although he's never really done stand up, let's give him 15 minutes and see what he could do with it. That's correct. Um, but in reality, all that stuff is fleeting. One. Yeah. T.I. is is, you know, pretty famous, but. In terms of comedy, it's it's completely different. Like you gotta be, you gotta be able to make people laugh. And com and comedy is is strange because, um, all the audience really cares about is funny. That's it. So there is like a celebrity factor mm-hmm. to to comedy, but that's only the draw. Yeah, when you're you actually go. in it, all we want to do is hear funny, funny things. Mm-hmm. And when people are sitting there and you telling these long winded stories and there's not and it's not technically comedy, we don't want it. We don't want to hear it. We want to hear it. And, you know, and and, and it's also I don't know what order um, people went in and who went up first or whatever. um, But it's some real comedians that was on the set. I mean, on on that show. And, you know, you sprinkle a guy that, you know, people don't deem as funny in there. And you just like, bro, I'm, I'm over this. Um I will say though, as far as like Ti goes, like I commend him for kind of sticking it out through through yeah. all the boos because he was acting like he didn't hear it, but I know good and well he heard every single one of them boos in T- there. Ti has a saying that he talked about, that he said, and I thought that it was pretty interesting. <clears throat> like now, especially if he's getting booed, he said, I think he said it on Breakfast Club or somewhere else. No, he said it on um, on uh, uh, Jamel Hill's podcast. Mm-hmm. He said, "If you live for the cheers, you will die by the boos." Yeah. 
And I mean, hey, I'll say this. He stood up on his two, he still he stood up on he stayed ten toes down and yeah. he kept telling them non funny ass jokes. <laughs> and and it will humble you very quick when you're not funny. Yeah. Like me, I feel like it'll humble you when you are funny. Yeah. And you know, maybe they just not it's just not like the right crowd for you. Yeah, maybe they're not the right crowd. Mm-hmm. And oh also, a- as a comedian too, sometimes you don't work the joke out right. This is gonna help you work the joke. If you don't want to give up on that joke, you say, you know what? Fuck that shit. That's funny. That joke's funny. Mm-hmm. This is a tip for people doing comedy. A um, tip? <laughs> huh? This is a tip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got I what you said. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, this is a tip. If you have a podcast or let's say that you want to work out some jokes, but you don't want to like literally work them out with people, sneak the joke into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? So for example, if you if you want to do stand-up. And you want to know if something's funny, sneak that scenario or the premise or whatever of the joke in the conversation. And when people start busting up, you'd be like, oop, I got one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't do it too much. Don't though. do it There's too much. Some pe- I, I know people personally that are always stand-up comedians. And it gets kind of old. It gets old, yeah. Like, bro, why we just chilling. Like, we having fun. Why are you telling like stand up, I, I like organic laughter. Yeah, it I gotta like, be organic. Yeah, like it me, don't, we don't need no setup and a in a payoff and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. Like me and Keith that had a serious conversation and not to the end of uh, what we were talking about. Then we start talking about the price of pussy on the Dow, <laughs> on the, on the Dow Jones. <laughs> but we had to make it there, right? Yeah, it wasn't like us just in the middle of something serious and now we just mm. looking for a joke. Yeah, for you sure. know, you don't. Yeah, you you kind of can make people stare the other direction when you when you're trying to forcibly yeah. make them laugh. People can't turn it off. That's the annoying thing. Like, even with podcasting, right? I don't go around like trying to make every conversation I ever have no. like some deep, no, know, no, you know, no, philosophical thing. No, not at all. You don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Mm-hmm. That'll turn some people off. They're gonna know you're on. You're pitching them something. At yeah, that niggas well, be mid conversation, like switching gears. So yeah, what about uh, the price of pussy? <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna get back to you on that one like, shit I got something on that $26 <laughs> oh man but like my thing is I stay out of a lot of conversations even though I feel like I can offer this is one of the habits though when you do podcasts a lot and, you, and you're well researched on a certain subject matter and you hear people talking about it and they're missing so much and you want to say something but you're like you know what let me evaluate the intellect of these people having the conversation before I insert myself mm-hmm because you don't want to just insert yourself in that conversation and now you're the guy that knows it all or whatever. And people that are stupid will combat you without knowing anything. Yeah. And, and it's also sometimes you can um, trigger someone's insecurities. Mm, right. Yeah. I, I know for sure there's been moments where um, the specific moment where I was having this conversation and this guy uh, we were talking about, like Frank Ocean, and um, he had he had an idea of. Like I think he was trying to think of a song or an album title or something mm-hmm. like that, and it was like, you know, talking about uh, like his his mixtape era or whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that that I think that song was like on the mixtape. And then like he he didn't know the answer quite yet, but I was like, yeah, that's you know, and I knew it for sure. So I was like, yeah, that song was on the mixtape, right? And then uh, conversation goes on a little bit more, and then um, he's like, yeah, it's another another. I think it that album with like the. The thing on the front, and then he, I think he might have said the wrong name, and I just was I just agree with him because what I realized is that if I just kept correcting this person, they're gonna not, yeah yeah they're gonna start to think like oh he just know it all he thinks he knows right. everything you know so I was like yeah 
You, you sometimes you 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 be in a place in your in your journey where you just above like right. people's thought process. Yeah, how much is this conversation going to affect my life anyways? Yeah, if like, I, I can live if I don't you, give him that. You got it, dude. You got it. Mm-hmm. You got it, man. You got it. Yeah, and and they could be completely wrong. I've gotten to a place now where someone could be completely wrong. That happened in 1995, and it, it actually happened in like 2001. Mm-hmm. And then you just be like, oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't agree with them. I'm not going to fucking agree with you, mm-hmm. right? I'm just gonna let you think you're right, and you could keep being stupid. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. But me, I'm the, I'm very receptive to corrections because mm-hmm. I if I feel like maybe I'm not right, I'll go use Google. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what, dude, you're right about that. I have no ego when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. But most people are like, no, no, I'm telling you, man, I know because I was there when it's like, man, yeah, you you just dumb, bro. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you dumb. But anyways. In, in the grand scheme of it all with T.I., man, I, I feel like these moments are important because sometimes, I, I, sometimes actually all the time, people need reality. Mm-hmm. They need reality, man. When you're not funny, you can't keep walking up thinking you're funny. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can, you can be a funny person that doesn't tell funny jokes. So learn to find the funny. You're inconveniencing people who want to laugh. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like comedy is a safe space for people who want to laugh at fucked up shit or they want to just get out and laugh and decompress because it's comedy is the opposite of political correctness. People are trying to escape this political world that we live in where they're like, hold the door before this person and don't say this because it's offensive <coughs> and then play by the rules. But when you go to a comedy show, you can laugh at somebody that's uh, got a, a physical disability and everybody's laughing at the joke. Not because they're laughing at the disability, but yeah. because the concept is so wild. So when you don't do your due diligence in delivering a good joke, people are not going to like that. Um, yeah. In addition to that, I'll say this real quick. Um, the reality of the booze is important. You shouldn't be a person that's let me give you a comparison. You shouldn't be a person that's 400 fucking pounds and people are telling you you're perfect the way you are, man. You look great. Don't change a thing. Yes, you need to change something. You're 400 fucking pounds. Mm-hmm. And you're be- <clears throat> it's just the truth. And the booze, and they say you shouldn't shame somebody into losing weight, right? I, I think Charlamagne was talking about it. And Charlamagne said we actually need more shame, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like I-, I-, I can't agree with it. But if the shame causes you to lose weight, then good. That's the same thing as with comedy with booze. Mm-hmm. When you're getting booze, it's a form of shame. Like, how dare you tell these non-funny jokes? <laughs> we got to go back to the drawing board. You gotta go, yeah, we got to go back. I'm sure people are going to give me shit. You should never fat shame anybody. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in reality, if the shame causes you to change your situation, mm-hmm. was it really that bad? The same way if you get booed on stage, you're getting shamed either way. Yeah. Yeah, I think th- he just needs to just go back to the basics of yeah. like a setup, a punchline, a payoff. Like he just need to go back to that, you know, this simple um, joke telling. And I, I think I think what happens like it's s- some people just got it right, mm-hmm. and I don't think Ti has an it factor for telling jokes. No, I think he may be funny in conversation. Um, but I don't think it even registers to him what a Dave Chappelle is doing on stage. No. He might think that Dave Chappelle is just having a conversation up there. Mm-mm. But in reality, he's, you know, he's he's setting up jokes. Yep. He has a whole a whole theme generally when he's when he's telling his shows, like he has punchlines set in, he's mm-hmm. using misdirection. 
um, he's using puns. He's using yeah. all, all these different like tricks and stuff. Just like yeah, just like Ti knows how to write a song. He knows where how many bars the chorus should be, how many bars the verse should be. He knows how to use alliteration and wordplay. He knows that, right. but it just it just doesn't register to him how to set up a a, a joke in a comedic mm-hmm. way. And I think if he took the time to do it, he could definitely be be funny. Um, but he just it's, yeah. it's at the end of the day, it's it's just his ego that may get in the way of him um, being you, you know funny. You can't carry ego. You can't carry ego into something that you don't have any experience doing. Yeah. And I think that's where he's fucking up. It's yeah. like me, like I drive, I drive uh, trucks for a living. But that's like me saying, you know what? I'm gonna be a diesel mechanic. And don't tell me nothing about working on diesels. I, I'm I already know I'm gonna do You've it my seen way. Seen it on the yard. You've seen the guy doing, yeah. changing the oil and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the same time, you don't know shit about being a diesel mechanic. Mm-hmm. So it's like you need to actually learn mm-hmm. how to be a decent diesel mechanic instead of assuming that you are. Uh, already a bona fide diesel mechanic. That's just, yeah. it's just ignorant, man. It's ignorant. And that's why I think he's going to have a hard time doing comedy. And and this is what I hope from him. If he can't, if he can't really, if he keeps doing comedy like this, he needs to just stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's an inconvenience to the people that are coming to watch it. And yeah. people that say like, oh, don't be a hater. Don't crush the man's dreams. Yeah, he should crush them. Get off the stage. The only thing missing from this was fruit. He T.I. deserved fruit, <laughs> right? Just like in the middle of the medieval days when you were not funny, they threw fruit and bananas at you, mm-hmm. right? The only thing missing from this was fruit. Some like, tomatoes. Yeah, T.I. deserved, he deserved a couple tomatoes and maybe a watermelon with the, with the jokes he was telling, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Who hit me with that goddamn watermelon? <laughs> Meet me off the stage, homie. It's the Kang, homie. It's the Kang, homie. <laughs> Somebody throw a banana. It just, just goes perfectly in his mouth. Right there. <laughs> Who threw that banana down my throat? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, th- I think for me, the thing that um, I, I like anybody trying different things. Mm-hmm. I think that. You know, I've done stand-up. I don't really consider myself a, a stand-up comedian. That's not um, when I <clears throat> when I see myself now. That's not really how I view myself. Although I love, I love you know getting up there and speaking my mind and stuff. Um, I do a little bit of everything, right? But one thing that I do when I am diving into something new is I I do my due diligence. You know, when I um, when I went up to do my stand up, I made sure I wrote down every single Hell word. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm I was already a writer and screenwriter and stuff like that. So it was it was a smoother transition just to, you know, find punchlines and, you know, tell stories and stuff like that. But when you just up there and you like um not putting the work in in, in a sense of like yep. not studying comedy or, you know, just thinking that you know, your ego is carrying you up there. That's just like a lot of times when you go to these open mics, the guy that's yapping in the crowd or the guy that has like a, a huge ego, a lot of times they'll give they'll give him like five minutes or they'll give him four mm. minutes to go up there and just so he can uh just so he can bomb. So he knows not to be disrespecting people when he's sitting out in the crowd because I haven't been heckled. I I really hope I do one day. You gonna roast him? Oh, I'm gonna roast that motherfucker so bad. <laughs> I haven't been heckled. I've, <laughs> I've, I've had moments where like people would say something in the crowd. You're black. 
<laughs> I haven't got that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I just think with Ti, man, like if he if he really wants this, which it seems, I mean, he's still going up there. But if he really wants this, and it's not an ego thing, it's not a money thing, it's not, hey, my career as a rapper is not as hot as it used to be, so I'm going to try to find another bag. If it's genuinely, like, from your core that you want to do comedy, you got access to the biggest guys. So mm. sit down and, like, learn from <coughs> learn from these dudes. Yeah. Take some notes, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think we could summarize this really, really quick, I, and it's, it's very simple. <clears throat> If you are running track and you do the hundred in the hundred meter dash or whatever, right? If you don't practice, do you deserve to win a race? No. If you don't study for a test, do you deserve to get a? Mm-mm. Okay, then I think that pretty much describes Ti. Yeah. It just looks like he has not done his due diligence to actually tell jokes. You're getting up there, you're telling stories, which I know you haven't written down all this thirty minute fucking monologue or whatever you got there. And you're just going up there freestyling, and it's just, it's not, it's just not good. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna cap because uh, I'm not gonna cap because it's fucking Ti. I don't mm-hmm. care who it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's other musicians who are hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, you got people who who've crossed over and done great. Jamie Foxx is funny as fuck. He's a great actor and comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Lawrence, great actor and comedian. But that doesn't happen for a lot of people. Yeah, Chris Tucker was okay, a comedian. He wasn't great. He was okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's that. Switching gears, Russell Wilson has become the topic of discussion recently, and the the origin story of it was uh, the Pivot Podcast, which I happen to love. Um, the Pivot Podcast was having a conversation, and Russell Wilson was brought up in it, um, and Channing Crowder basically had basically called him a square, right? Mm-hmm. And he called him a square. I don't know if it was. And he was. He was a little aggressive too. Yeah, it was. It, well, I don't know if it was really in too much of a disparaging way, but it was more or less like. Heck kinda, no. It's kind of out of pocket though. Yeah, I mean, I, the square is not a compliment. It's not, but I mean, at the same time, the square is better than being some toxic motherfucker with facts. Nine different babies, mamas. But they and won't. Shit. Say, they won't say that though. Yeah. So mm-hmm. basically, he got brought up, and uh, there was a story that he told about him meeting Sierra also. And about how he had a kind of a tattered wallet, and he described his wallet as his wallet is consistent, and you know you can always rely on this wallet, whatever. And 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 the way Russell Wilson was telling the story, he was telling the story as almost as if it was like him having game, and then they was just calling him corny. Mm-hmm. Now the story was a little bit corny, but that's who Russell Wilson is. That's not corny. You can never be corny being yourself. And it seems like Russell Wilson is this is who he is. I remember my dad said something that really stuck with me. He said, when Russell Wilson's done playing football, he might end up being a politician. Hmm. And I was like, fuck, that's true. Because he has this image where he ain't faking it, but he just seems like a good guy. He just is who he is. And I'm a Niner fan. I got a Niner hat on. I fucking hate the Seahawks, but I've always thought that Russell was a good guy. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but there's that. I just think that we've normalized toxic relationships so much, too. We've normalized them so much that when people are functioning and they seem like they might be normal, we think it's disingenuous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you you do got fake motherfuckers out here with the fake good relationships. Like what's his name? Uh, Derek Jackson. Yeah. Derek Jackson out here making books for women and shit, and mm-hmm. turns around he can't keep his cock in his pants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that we when when people promote healthy relationships, we think it's performative. 
Yes. We don't we really don't think it's genuine. Yeah. Uh, I I thought about like um I, I want you to finish your point, but uh-huh. I thought about um Joel Osteen the other day. Mm-hmm. And um No blacks in my church. <laughs> there was a leadership <laughs> summit that he that he was uh, speaking at. And um sometimes I think because we so used to to like um people being inauthentic that when somebody and I don't know if he's Joel Osteen is authentic or not, but I'm just saying when we see that type of person, it looks very performative, mm-hmm. but probably because we're comparing it to somebody that's come out yes. as being like fake or come out with some type of uh, crime connected True. to it or something like that. Or, you know, some infomercial at True. 12, at midnight. So, yeah, that's just my I just point. think that it's just the way relationships are seen nowadays. Most of them, honestly, are performative. Mm-hmm. When you see the couple that's on Instagram and they out on the beach and he's grabbing her booty and her titties and asses all out and they just mm-hmm. so in love with each other and kissing and taking on. And it's like, bro, this is like, it, this is not what love is. Mm-hmm. Like, love is whatever it is to you. But I think when we put out this outward image of what it is, we make it something that it's not. And then we just, everybody's confused, really, honestly. Yeah. Like, when it comes to guys like Future or whatnot, women could deny it all they want, but they love guys like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all of them do, but most of them love it. They usually choose niggas like Russell Wilson last. Like, yeah. <laughs> they want, they basically, they want a guy like Future, but they want him to have Russell Wilson's, like, characteristics. Mm-hmm. Right? They want a nigga that's... They want a little edge to him. They, want, they want, a, want the bad boy, you know, he sips lean, but he believe in the Lord. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Future Hendrix. <laughs> Future don't got no filter. He'll make a whole song like, I put lean on my bitch. I put lean on my bitch. Yeah. You'll be like, what? <laughs> I put codeine on my bitch. <laughs> God damn, man. That nigga Future would talk about codeine, but in real life be a vegan. Right, yeah. Like, that's another. That's, that's one thing that, d- to me, is disgusting about Future, mm-hmm. is the fact that in real life, he doesn't partake in any of the shit he raps about. Yeah. And he, and, and he told Nicki Minaj one day, because Nicki talked about it, she straight up, she kind of outed him, but not really. She just said, Niggas, yeah, she said, said people had no idea that I'm a lightweight. I barely even drink. Yeah. Oh, my God. And people are dying from this shit. They're dying from taking all the drugs that Future's talking about. What, what happens, too, and... And we know hip hop as like the introduction to different things. Yeah, Whether yeah, it's yeah. a brand, a car, right. um, a female, a vixen, a model, whatever the case. And we, we know this because um, whatever the hottest rapper is said it in a song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whether it's like if it's a girl, yeah. people going to Google it. This nigga Drake even had a line where he was like, I bought such and such car. Y'all could just go ahead and Google it. And it was like a one of one million dollar car or something like that. So that's just like or even that's brands crazy. like Balenciaga and all this stuff. I wouldn't have never even <laughs> known what none of that stuff Ugly was. Ugly ass shoes. Yeah, and, until I, you know, heard it in a song. So that's, you know, I just say that to say as far as what, what Future got going on, like he's really introducing drugs to a bunch of kids out there. So Yeah, I remember, uh, I forgot what athlete it was, but he had some, he, had, he posted a picture on IG and he says, he's like, the drip is too aggressive, whatever. And and it do, he has some skin tight pants on with some Balenciagas, mm-hmm. some oversized, they look like Balenciaga ugly, 
They look like something a little kid would wear without mm-hmm. the, you know how the kids used to wear them shoes that had like a little light in the back mm-hmm. that when you walk, the light would go off? Some of them be lighting up. Balenciagas? Some of the, I think oh, some of the really? Balenciagas do. Bro, it do took them, it probably cost them 75 cents to make that whole big ass shoe and that shit is over $1,000. Yeah. I think, how much in Balenciagas though? Aren't they like, they like 1200 I think. I don't think all of them was over a thousand. Yeah, I think some, there might be something like six hundred or something like that. So, so fucking ugly, man. Yeah, I don't like those shoes at all. Man, it'd be all kind of rappers wearing them. I'm like, bro, what is what is this? What is this? Yeah, you're you not know. gonna get me to wear this shit. I yeah. seen a kid one day walking to school with Balenciagas. Really? Yes. Like to BHS? Yes. Nah, he tripping. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? You tripping, bro? What are you doing? Especially, be, I mean, I can understand if it's nah. That that's the the interesting part, right? Because BHS is kind of in the hood, right? Yeah. Um, but I would almost guarantee that there's no was this a black kid? No, Me, like Mexican, like, like biracial, probably a brown kid. Might be Mexican and black. Might be Mexican and black. Or just yeah. maybe dark Mexican. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I say that to say, like, I I don't imagine like the mixed kid at Stockdale or Liberty is walking to. School with Balenciaga. What's up, man? Yeah. I got some new Balenciagas. He's also not walking to school. No, nah, he's, he's driving. driving a Ford F one fifty. I'm driving my dad's F four fifty, man. <laughs> <laughs> Every black kid talked just like that at Stockdale High School. Yeah. What's up, man? What's up, dude? My name's Gildan, man. What's up, man? <laughs> Gildan. <laughs> that nigga's just plain and black. What's That's up, Gil? His name is Gildan. What's up, Gil? It'll be a black guy with with fucking tobacco in his lip. Yeah. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? What's up, bro? It's just it's just like it. This is funny thing. This funny trend on TikTok mm-hmm. that whenever it's like a kid, uh, it it was like this group. It's like this black kid, this white kid, and uh, whoever else it was, but they kind of look like. Like punks almost, and like mm. punk rockers got like their hair like combed to the side and all that, mm. and it's like this little sound in the background. It's like because tonight will be the night that I will fall for you. <laughs> nah, that uh, that meme that you it was like was it like memes or gifts or something like that, mm-hmm. or the like bit emojis that you sent me with the dude doing the voiceover on uh, you sent it on Facebook Messenger. Oh, what was it? It was just dude making different voices. I forget what it was, but that was oh, one with the Oh uh, no, it was it was oh, it was basically different like different people busting nuts. Yeah. Like what, what they would sound like. Yeah. That I'm shit. Like, hilarious, all that had me dying. It was like uh, uh the black Christian dude was like, oh, oh in the name of Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. The one that had me rolling was the uh was the emo was the emo guy. That mug was hilarious. Oh, hold on. I think I still got it here. That shit, that shit had me dying, bruh. <laughs> Where is it at? Oh, I think they got deleted. Hold on. Oh no, here it is. Wowzers! Willikers! Oh yeah! Fucking whore! Oh shit! Fuck yeah, bitch! Well, goddamn! Tarnation! Tarnation! The gay dude. Ah, I'm coming. Ah, oh, this is the one of them. I'm coming. I don't care. I can feel my soul leaving my body as we speak. Into the emptiness and the abyss of darkness and lifelessness and nothingness. 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that comedy. That shit had me fucking dying, man. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think you know, as this, far as this conversation about Russell Wilson goes, I think that I, um, I just don't like this. I feel like we as a community, um, as much as we claim that we love each other, as, as, and I'm talking about a community of black people, right, right, as right. much as we claim we love each other and we want to empower each other, we also do contradictory things like, like this, right? Yeah. Their, their podcast is predicated on people coming together, um, athletes getting on there, speaking their truth, mm-hmm. um, and creating a community where you know people can kind of lean on each other, right? They had, um, what's the dude's name? That play hoop basketball that went on there. Mm. Left handed, light skinned dude. He played basketball with KD. Mm. Uh, Michael Beasley. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had yeah, Michael O'Pivot, Beasley yeah. on there. Yeah, and they were, you know, they were talking about, you know, just kind of being a support system to him and bring, you know, bringing their families together and, you know, look, trying to find a life for him outside of uh, basketball and stuff like that, right? So that's what they're preaching. But, you know, I think sometimes in theory we're one way and then in practice, in practice, we're completely different, right? So, I say all that to say, like when um, when Crowder says these, what's his name? Uh, Channing Crowder. Channing Crowder, right? I didn't want to disrespect him, mm-hmm. but because um, I was thinking about the Hooper, and I was like, that nigga name is not Crowder, oh, but yeah. uh, but um, yeah. So when he gets on there and he's calling him a square, and if you listen to it and you hear the tone in his voice, he's not saying it in a like an uplifting way. No, you know, I don't. I don't even think you call somebody a square um, as a compliment ever. No, but I just think like it's it's just uh, we're kind of like creating these narratives for for ourselves. You're just reducing a person by saying that. Yeah. So the conver- you're prefacing your statement or conversation with a reduction of a person. Yeah. That's not okay. And there's nothing wrong with the way Russell Wilson acts. I th- no. He's biracial, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So he just he's he's coming into this world through a completely different lens than than the way you grew up. And Crowder might even be biracial, but um you know, just depending on how how people are raised, like we just come into a different. And I think the only problem I would have with the way Russell Wilson acts is if he was like dismissive of his culture, or he, mm-hmm. he kind of led himself as like, oh, I'm not black, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, or he may be like kind of disrespecting, you know, the black community in any kind of way. But it's just like we we are we're like Gambino said, like we're not a monolith. We are, right. we're, everyone has a different perspective. We got, we, we are two black men from Bakersfield, California. Mm-hmm. We have one perspective on the world, right? I have a college degree. That's another perspective. Eddie drives trucks. That's a whole entirely different perspective. Um, you know, is different people, you know, we playing sports and stuff at BC or going to junior college. We meeting dudes from New York, meeting dudes from New Jersey, meeting right. dudes from Florida. They got a whole different perspective. They got a whole different way of communicating. But we are all like part of this one thing. And I feel like, you know, on on just a different type of level that when we call in people squares just because they kind of clean cut and they can well, articulate themselves. I, I think a lot of men have uh, had ran with the narrative of looking at her dating history and the men that she has dated and basically like Russell Wilson was the one that came in and saved her. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think that we've seen this narrative play out in real life as men. So we're trying, a lot of men are basically trying to just 
shit on that whole situation, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, she was dating Future, like 50 Cent dudes like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had a baby by Future and all of that. And it's like when women end up with a man like Russell Wilson, they usually don't choose that man first, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. Like, Russell Wilson is not the type of dude that a woman is like, oh, my God, I want to give it up to him right now. Like, yeah. he's the guy that's the Christian guy that's willing to hold out on sex. He didn't even have sex until marriage with Sierra, from what he said. Yeah. So it's like, women don't, women want to fuck. They don't want to deal with a dude that wants to wait until marriage to have sex. Mm-hmm. The average woman does not want to wait until marriage to have sex. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of women that are coming to defense of Russell Wilson in that situation, and that's fine. But I think that the only thing that probably a lot of men don't like about the overall situation is it's given a lot of bad women a false uh, sense of what they deserve, mm-hmm. right? I think that if whether it's men or women, you need to earn the type of person that you want in life. Yeah, You can't just have two baby daddies that was gangbanging, and now all of a sudden a nigga like Russell Wilson is going to come and save you. Yeah. That ain't how it works. Yeah, okay. You need to be woman enough to have a man like that. And as a man, you need to be mad enough to have a good woman. That's, That's how facts. it really should work. Yeah. But I think that where, where men are having a gripe is... You know, a lot of women are coming around like, y'all just don't know how to be real men. And this is how a man's supposed to treat a woman and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, shut up. Because a lot of y'all have made fucked up choices in men. And you are expecting a man like Russell Wilson. You need to sit down. The problem with men is a lot of men have become so, how do you say this? They look at a dude like Future as like cool or something. But Mm -hmm. truth be told, me and Future the same age. He 37 still doing this toxic nonsense. Talking about Percocex ain't cool. Like, bro, bro, you 37 years old talking about drugs still, bro. Mm -hmm. People are dying from, uh, there's a pandemic of people dying from fucking, uh, what's it called? Uh, what the shit they've been lacing drugs. Fentanyl. Fentanyl. People dying from fentanyl. You 37 year old rapper talking about drugs Mm -hmm. like it's ignorant shit Mm -hmm. so she went and we have to be honest about sierra too she likes dudes like future okay she Mm -hmm. liked what she was dealing with she liked future she liked future well no she liked dudes like him because she was with 50 cent too but i wouldn't even equate them to well they both from the streets like they're they both have this mystique about them right And I think that some women are drawn to men like that. But Mm -hmm. after a while, they realize they're not ever going to get the result from a man like that. They're never going to get a man like that to love them. But what I'm saying is... And only them. But she also dated Bow Wow. Like, Bow Wow ain't no gangster rapper. No, but he's... Yeah, he's not a gangster rapper, but he's still a rapper. What I'm saying is, like, we don't really know her type based off of, like, Future and 50 Cent. She dated three rappers, Keith. Rappers, yeah, that's fine. But like <laughs> Bow Wow, his biggest hits is when he was a kid rapping about like puppy love. Now, don't you like ever that. disrespect Shad Moss like that, bro? Now, Bow Wow fire. That's my dog. <laughs> I for sure love me some Bow Wow. Yeah. Bow wow. But I, I just think like we, we, it's just because Future is like probably mostly because they had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, if you, if you, if you really stack Future 50 Cent, uh, uh, future 50 Cent, Bow Wow, and Russell Wilson as the people that we know that she dated. It doesn't, you can't really quantify a type in there. Mm, I don't think you can. I think you can. I think that what I mean is, is, <clears throat> is almost the, the, you know, perception of the kind of rebellious 
rapper type dude from the streets, whatever. Bow Wow don't fit that mode exactly, but he's still a rapper. I'm but, saying two out of two out of two of those two out of four of those guys is not from the streets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, so it's a fifty. It's a fifty percent chance she gonna date a nigga from the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing about it is, to go from that to a guy like Russell Wilson is like completely different, and it was intentional too. Mm-hmm. I think that it was intentional because he was a decent dude, and she. And, and first of all, let's be clear. Women have the right to change their mind. They don't have to stay dating niggas like Future their whole life. They can yeah. want to choose function and love over wanting this dude that's never going to act right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So by her making a conscious decision to be with Russell Wilson, that's cool. Yes. Yeah, right? I just hope that she's woman enough to continue to live up to it. I don't know her like that. All I'm saying is, is Russell Wilson is the prize in this relationship. Now, some people will disagree and say, man, Eddie, you don't know shit. No, I don't know nothing. But what I can tell you is this. I'm just going to go put it on paper. Russell Wilson, no kids. Russell Wilson makes more money than her. Russell Wilson bought her masters. Russell Wilson treats her kids like his own. That man is the prize. I don't give a fuck what y'all trying to say. Okay? That man is the prize. And what women need to realize is when they date a dude or they find a man like this, you are not bringing anything to his life that he couldn't get probably from another woman. Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. All I'm saying is he is basically is giving your life more value than you're giving him at that point. I hate to say it, but that's it's tr- this perspective, though. Mm-hmm. Like Russell Wilson was married before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe she bringing something to his life that obviously didn't work out with, with his ex-partner. Yeah. She's offering him something, but I'm just, I'm saying that when a woman wants that type of man in her life, she might want to consider that she is not automatically the prize by default. Yeah. Some women will say things like, well, that's not true because it's saying a Bible that man who find a woman findeth a good thing. Yeah. A man who findeth a wife, but a woman who findeth a man who pays for everything and respects her and loves her and is loyal to her, who also spent umpteenth dollars on her mm-hmm. masters for her music, things of that nature, when a man is willing to do that, like that is that that man is a prize, period. Yeah. He's either the prize or he is a prize. Point blank period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, did, I just think it's above money though. I think that yeah. if that, if that's the idea, like, you know, just from a monetary standpoint, like he's no, a professional, no, no, no. he's a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. But I just think there's probably elements that they provide for each other. That's that- what I was getting at. The <clears throat> element wasn't solely money. This is a man, Russell Wilson, <clears throat> who probably could fuck whoever he wants. Yeah. Right. But he has all this money and all these resources, but he wants to focus on you. Do you know how rare it is for a man that makes that much money who wants to fuck one woman for the rest of his life, who wants to marry one woman, who wants to take your child from another man and make it his child, and he has all these resources? It is not a normal thing for that to happen. Mm -hmm. This is a man with no kids, no nothing. He's inheriting your life. That is not a normal occasion. And it goes beyond money because this man is saying, I'm willing to join lives with you and take on everything you're doing. That that in itself is not money in itself. That is an action. What I'm saying is that that was just the first one of the things you pointed out. But what mm-hmm. I'm saying is there are things that we don't we don't know about. There's elements of their relationship that we don't know about. Head. 
she might get fired head. <laughs> her head might be better than his ex-wife. Let me show you this one-two step. <laughs> <laughs> one-two slurp. <laughs> but Jazzy Fizzle! <laughs> like, where does this nigga come from? <laughs> yeah, I, I just think there's... There's we we are just viewing their relationship from the outside. Yeah, so 100%. I'm sure there's elements of um that Sierra brought to the table. One of the things she probably brought to the table that his ex-wife and most other women that he may even run into can't is that she was she had her own money even Facts. before Russell Wilson was in the NFL. That's a fact. Um but the I think the prize conversation for me it's it's not even it's not even about the podcasters or people on Twitter. The prize conversation is about the person in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So if I would say anything, I would just let Russell Wilson know that, hey, you're the A-side. And mm-hmm. that's just... Um, and I would say the same thing to Sierra. Like, hey, you're the A-side because you got to think in yourself that you're the A-side because when you, when you start to kind of diminish yourself as like the... Um, like the lesser version of the partner in a relationship, then you start to like rely on them and then you start to become a a liability instead of an asset. Realizing somebody is a prize doesn't mean the instant reduction of self. It means that I'm dealing with somebody that I may not ever be able to get again in my life. That is the prize. When you can sit back and say, you know what? I have an inherent fear of losing someone like this. Because I can't rep, I can't duplicate this type of person. Mm-hmm. If a man makes that much money and has that many resources, but he, but he has a strong faith, um, he is a great father and father figure to your child from another man. All these different things, and not all of them include money. That is very hard to find in the world because you might get with a man and he might be like a father to your child, but he kind of treat his birth child different than your child. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how a lot of situations are in the world where a man could say this. This is why it's a, a great responsibility as a single man or even if you got kids. It's a great responsibility to date a woman with kids because you have to understand it may take time for you to build that relationship with that child, mm-hmm. but you can't look at that kid no different than your own. Yeah. Because if you do that, you're not a good father. That's a big deal. So, and think about it. That's why I'm saying this man is a prize. Even if if people don't want to say he's the prize, he is a prize. He's a prize, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that's the thing, man. It. it Man, I got nothing bad to say about Russell Wilson. I do not have anything bad to say. Yeah. I just think that we live in a world where we've completely normalized dysfunction so much that we've made it like the standard. And even though the most dysfunctional people will say, I love Russell Wilson when it fits their narrative. So that's a problem, too. I imagine calling Russell Wilson a square when in comparison, you don't have as much money. Nothing, yeah. You don't have the critical, I mean, not critical acclaim, but you don't have as much accomplishments. Yeah. You're not as successful just overall right. as a human being. Sign and, me up to be a sign me up to be a square. And your wife ain't Sierra. Right. So it's sign, like. I, I, if I'm a, a millionaire quarterback and my wife got a fat ass, sign me up. It's like, bro. Sign me up. Yeah. You know what else? You know what you know a sad thing about calling him a square? Is it's some form of the the toxic male view of relationships too. And it's not men in general, but there's a, a sector of men that look at a man who is in love with one woman 
as Square. Yeah. Like, Chance the Rapper is the only rapper that openly raps about being married. Mm-hmm. And he raps about marriage. Ain't nobody else rapping about marriage. They just talk about how much pussy they're getting while their wife is at home. There's nothing wrong with being married. There are two single men that we both agree with that. Ain't nothing wrong being married. Yeah. If you can find one woman you want to spend the rest of your life with, that is a beautiful thing. It's mm-hmm. just harder to do it in today's world. But it's nothing to brag about if you're getting pussy from everywhere. Especially when you've gotten older. You're 30, I'm 37. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making like I'm a pussy monster, but I've gotten enough to understand it never meant anything. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. These are not women I trust with my with my life. These are not women that I trust with my finances. These are not women that are doing anything for my energy in my life. These are just women I fucked and then I don't, who lo- Lord knows what they're doing now. You know? Maybe they hopefully they found a good man, right? But if you are a man that can find a decent woman in your life that has value, that is a good mother and all these things, then man, you won, bro. Yeah. Retire. You won. Yeah. You won, bro. And yeah. Yeah. So I just, I feel like we just we should just be like even this narrative around a relationship is just trash. It like is trash. we should be applauding them for right. like having at least from what that from on the outside looks to be a healthy relationship. Yeah, but sometimes I'll be like, Yeah, this is a little corny. But I, I still could tell that they're all that, that they really love each other. Like it'll be like some little twerk video where Sierra like twerking and he's like, Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know what I think I'm saying? A, I think an action can be corny. <laughs> right. But calling someone corny is there a different you go. story. Yeah. yeah. Or calling someone a square is a different like story. Like an isolated situation yeah. can be corny. And a, a, yeah. He has it, Russell Wilson has had some corny moments for sure. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, and and he would basically like it'll be like a little video of her like twerking and then Russell Wilson's like yeah that's what I'm talking about that's what I married right there you know what I'm saying <laughs> you know what I'm saying and yeah. because that's who he really is yeah. and he's doing that I'm like all right th- this is kind of corny here yeah like you know but at the same time who the fuck am I to say that mm-hmm. like if this is what they feel is helping their relationship cool. Yeah, that, cool. I think that's what I, that's what I learned, man. Like at the end of the day, all we got is opinions. But yeah. I, but I do not like a narrative going around, especially no. especially when you're part of a community. hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like it's just Russell Wilson is just a very successful, very talented. He could have played professional baseball, baseball or football. Like he could do whatever he wants to in life, pretty much. Yeah. You know? I, honestly, I'm just gonna come out and say it too. I think that him being biracial and him being a little bit white has to do with some of the scrutiny he's getting to. Mm -hmm. I think because he's not 100% a black man, he's getting shit for it. I really believe that. I really think that that him, because he has this way that he speaks, is very normal, like he speaks with proper diction and things of that nature. And I'm not saying that's what makes him a square, but how he speaks, you've heard a lot of like maybe your white quarterbacks that you played football with back in the day, he sounds like them, mm-hmm. you know, but his father is black. His mother is white. Mm-hmm. So he probably has a lot of influences from both sides. And when yeah. he, when he has conversations about certain things, you kind of could tell where he's trying to, you know, display more blackness or trying to speak in more of a cultural tone. Mm-hmm. Right. And people just be like, man, he just, he just trying to be black, but he ain't he ain't doing it right or something like that. People like writing comments like that. Yeah, I'm like the only reason why you're discrediting him is because he's just he's a he's biracial. I don't even think it's that he's biracial. I just think it's that 
that tone of voice. Yeah. It's that tone. Because if it's like, if it's like, um, let's say. Uh, it's like Carlton-esque. Yeah. But who who's a, who's like a nigga nigga that's biracial in sports? Oh, oh man. I'm going to find one. Uh, ooh, not Lonzo Ball. Just try to f- think of a football player. Well, that's like he's biracial, but he's like really, really black. Yeah, we could use J. Cole. Let, let's try to f- think of a football player. Though. A football player that yeah. I mean, they wear helmets, so I can't just always think of one right off the top. Of my Who's head. the? Uh, yeah, Channing Crowder might fucking be biracial. I don't know if he is or not. Yeah, he's he's really light. There's some people that biracial. are biracial and they have black, but like those be the blackest people. Mm-hmm. Like they gotta prove how black they are. Yeah. They like Kaepernick. It's always the like either biracial or really light black people that got to be the most militant. Yeah, <laughs> they can't just be black like us. They got to be like because what happens is you you have experiences in your childhood that shape you. Yeah, and you. I mean, we've seen the show. Yeah, There's moments where he playing baseball and you know the people, even in Bakersfield and hotels and yeah, it's true. Yeah, and, they you know. they fucking. The chronicled Bakersfield mm-hmm. <laughs> talked about how they had racial issues here. That's fucked up, but I mean, it's I yeah. believe it, especially yeah. depending on where he was at. But I, I think that's that's the dismissive part about like, or our ignorance as a community or just a society is mm-hmm. like we think that if you got any ounce of black in you, you should be like this way, right? You should speak this way. You should like this music, you right? Should. But it's like when we when you actually think about it, it's like yo, they have a whole. I feel like you should uh, definitely be aware of your of your culture. Yes, um, but you know, as far as like what it actually looks like, we can't dictate the, that. There's a skewed view of what blackness is. Like you can't just be uh, just a guy. Like you yeah. can't just be a guy. Like if you date, if you ever dated a white girl, they'd be like, "Why do you hate black women?" You like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. what, what do you... We might as well run it into the next... Uh... Yeah, let's go ahead and switch gears, man. Yeah. Let's go talk about it. All right. Switching gears. Recently, Childish Gambino did... Had a... a was a, writ, a written interview with himself. Yeah. Right? And he posted... It was Twitter he posted it on, right? No, he didn't post it on Twitter. What did he put it's it in? It's in a magazine. Oh, and it's a... Ma- oh. Mm-hmm. Which magazine was it? I think it's called Interview Magazine. Interview Magazine? hmm And he just ran down a bunch of questions. But one of them that stuck out... What uh, you remember? Do you send it to me? Uh, I don't send it to you. Yeah. Did I send it to you? I don't, I don't think know. I if sent it, it to you. Yeah. You just basically told me about it. I think too. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the interview, I forgot what they asked him. Let me see if I can pull it up right here. Did you send it to me? Hold on, I'm reading it right here. Wait, no, that's a different one. We send each other so much shit during the week, man. Mm-hmm. That it's just a bunch of different fucking bunch of malarkey. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Uh, you might have to pull it up on there. I don't. I think I lost on, it. Cause. Yeah, I think I lost it. I had the other ones down here. Uh, 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 okay. Here it is. The interviews Donald Glover magazine four days ago, and it's still. Oh, here it is. Hold on, Donald Glover. Okay. Where are you right now? Nah, that's not the one. You you had that one specific question. Yeah, I'll find it. Uh, 
Nah, dude. It's this it's got every fucking question in here. Yeah, no, I'll find it. Hold on. Yeah. I just don't like the I don't like the dead air. Sorry, folks. Uh all right. Uh I'll just read it. Yeah. It says so um they in on Twitter and the internet they just kinda diminished it down, but I'll give a little bit more context outside of the I think I see couple it here. questions. I see it right um, here. So and mind you, he's he it's a written interview that he did with himself. Um so I'll start from up here. It says maybe your work seemed to have a socio political slant around the same time as that started becoming more popular. And then he responds, I don't think that's true. People don't think that people don't think of life the way we used to because we communicate online and everyone has a personal brand. If Malcolm X was alive right now and lived the same life, people would say he rebranded himself. No, he just was Malcolm X. He evolved through his experiences. Speaking of Malcolm X, you hear what Dr. Umar said about you? Laughs. Yeah. What do you think? It's old footage. I think he has some interesting ideas, but I disagree with him on that one. I I do think it's interest it's interesting to separate marriage as a political act. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But then where does it end? How would I know if something is for me if it's all a political act? Are you afraid of black women? Why are you asking me that? I feel like your relationship to them has played a big part in your narrative. I feel like you're I feel like you're using black women to question me about my blackness. And then he says and then that's pretty that's the the segment about black women is where yeah. where it kind of I goes. I think I think that him asking these questions to himself was basically exploiting the type of like narrative that people have built up about him. That's all it was. It was almost I won't say reverse psychology, but it was basically him asking himself these questions, but in turn he was taking all of the slander and all the bullshit that people have said about him on Twitter and all these other platforms and he basically put it in a question format and answered the question. But people that are like have the absence of like Thought and by the way, people zeroed in on this when there was a whole bunch of other questions that were there. That's how you. That's that's all. most people didn't even read the entire. I gave the listeners more context to right. the, the interview, but the segment was literally just about black women, and then Twitter took that and ran with it. You know, so yeah. they were they were basically kind of saying like, "Oh, he's weird. Oh, he's knew he was weird. Mm-hmm. He's he's trying to." Uh, to avert the question and all these different things. Yeah, it's just like, come on, dog. Yeah, it's just confirmation bias, though. Mm-hmm. Like, out of all those questions, you chose that one question based on the fact that you were looking for something to uh, uh, just kind of uh, uh, what do you call it? M- make his character look wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, and, and to to add to that, the fact that his his uh, girlfriend is white. Yeah. So all these things together are like you know. It's like just affirming what you already believe yeah. about him. You just took a statement or a question to just turn, just make him radioactive. That's yeah. That's, that's all you did in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I, the, the problem I have with it though is the idea of blackness. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like like 
like you mentioned, like black people are not a monolith. Like I, I know black men or just people in general that if you back in the day was on a skateboard, they'd be like, man, you over there trying to be white. It's yeah. like, no, I just happen to like skateboarding. Yeah. Why do I got to be white? Cause I like skateboarding. Yeah. You know, like they would see somebody like maybe a, a Russell Wilson and call him a square or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not okay when people who look like you will call you out and call you a square. The thing, the thing that bothers me too is like you, like you said, you're using um, that question um, as like you're questioning my blackness. Like you're not actually asking about black women. You're asking me about my blackness. Mm-hmm. Like, do I love my community? Do I hate black women? All these different questions mm-hmm. are kind of bottled up in that in right. that question. Um, but what what. And mind you, this is the the reason why I deleted Twitter. Like mm-hmm. this, the backlash from this interview is, I'm a fan of Donald Glover. So, you know, there's some bias, implicit bias in there. But when you, when I, when I saw the backlash and when I saw people, especially black people just attacking him for a small segment in that interview, because um, when I originally seen it, I was like, like, let me see what's, you know, I, I just looked for the trending topics to see what's going on. And then I was like, oh, an interview dropped. And then as soon as the interview dropped, people were like, oh, this dude is weird. Like, why why do we, you know, um, why is this dude part of the community? We got to get this dude out of here. All these different things. So I seen that quote and I was like, I was like, oh, I don't I don't even see the uproar, but let me actually read the whole article. So I literally read every word in the article. I read the whole interview and I was like, dang, I really don't know why people are mad. And then I went back and then I started to see more comments. And then I was just like, yo, niggas on Twitter is just stupid. And it was making me, it was making me mad and I'm like really having a a real reaction to it. And this is on, on the back of other conversations that I've seen on Twitter. So I was Mm -hmm. like, man, I gotta, I gotta delete this. Um, but the problem that I have with it is like, um, like you said, like we're trying to um, question people's blackness. But some of these people, some of these people that were questioning their blackness because they may have a white girlfriend or their girlfriend might be Asian or Mexican, whatever the case may be, are some people that are doing more for the black community right. than a lot of these niggas just tweeting all day long. Yeah. You got guys like um, Van Jones, who's, you know, who got. He got um he got like a five hundred million dollars, I think, from nah, Jeff Bezos I don't or think something. It was, 500, but it, it, was, was a, it was a lot of money. Yeah. Um it might be it was it was He disappeared after that. It was a few hundred <laughs> uh a few hundred million dollars. Van Jones must I think he must have went to outer space or something. Yeah. But he uh <laughs> but what he's doing is building systems to um, get black people out of prison. You know what yeah. I mean? He's he's speaking on these things. He's been very candid about about these things. You got a guy like um like Donald Glover, who the entire cast of his show is, is black. Right. You know what I mean? You got a guy in Donald Glover who, when Monique was quote unquote canceled, he put her in his Adidas ad. You know what I mean? You got. Um, it's, di- it's just different people when you think about these people that we be trying to like cancel all the time. It's oftentimes that you, uh, that they're doing more for our community than the people speaking about it online. Yeah, and and then you got to think about it too, like from a standpoint of, um, is it 
because we always make it as though um, if a black man is dating a white woman, he just hates black women, right? That's crazy. But that's sometimes you just fall in love with with somebody, and yeah. I'm not, and I don't, and I don't even want this to come off as me as a person that likes white women. This is me as a person that I more than ninety nine percent sure that I'll marry a black woman, but I just don't have a problem with interracial relationships as some of these you know people on Twitter and whatnot do. But if you think about Russell Wilson's situation, right? I think he was married to a white woman, and then him and his wife um, end up getting a divorce, and then he's now married to Sierra. Mm-hmm. So it's like that narrative of like the self-hate or whatever the case it's may crazy. be. It's just like he probably just met this girl in college or high school, and mm-hmm. he fell in love with her, and it didn't work out. And then he's just open to all He's yeah. open to any type of love. So and he's biracial, so he can't like black and white women. Exactly, it's man. Crazy. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Yeah. And the thing about it though, this is the problem that I do have that you might see some black men do, which is, or just some black people do, is where if you happen to have a preference of something, that doesn't mean you should tear something else down. Like mm-hmm. if you happen to date white women, don't tear black women down. That's just fucking ignorant. Mm-hmm. That's self hate. Yeah. Know? Um, but that's not even what's going on here. I just think that what happens is this, this is the biggest issue just with social media in general. There are enough stupid people that will get online and they'll all be stupid, right? But because there's a lot of them that are stupid, they think they're right. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. When you get enough stupid people in one room and they all agree and they, it, it it really will start to piss you off because you get over, overwhelmed with the stupidity. Mm-hmm. People who don't use their brains to actually like be analytical. They rather um run they they got a narrative already. Here, I've got a narrative. Let me run with it and let me razor blade through anything that makes sense and let me just try to be reactionary to everything that I don't like. Because mm-hmm. I don't my life sucks, so I need to argue on social media. Mm-hmm. I need to start an argument with people like Keith. I need to start an argument with these people just because I've taken my free time to speak poorly about someone. There's some people that literally get on social media to start arguments. I've seen them. Oh, for sure. I've seen there. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of this uh, 49er forum, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the same guy that if I comment something, he'll be like, man, here, this guy's so negative. Look at his shit posts. Mm-hmm. That Eddie guy, I don't like that guy. He's always mm-hmm. saying this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I just told that guy one day, I said, hey, man, out of all the thousands of people on this platform, why do you tag me? I've ignored you for mm-hmm. weeks, but you keep like trying to at me. You, like, are you okay, bro? Like, is your is your everything okay at home? Yeah. And he was like, "I'm fine. Don't worry about me." But your post is so bad. I said, "Bro, there's over forty four thousand people a part of this forum, but you're zeroing in on me because you've created this idea that you don't like me. That's all you see. Mm-hmm. You are completely blinded by your ignorance and hatred for someone that you will just." run off with this fucking narrative and that's all that matters to you mm-hmm. that's sad and there are millions of people like this on the internet millions when you are a person that's either successful or you're fighting for something in your life you don't really have the time to do it and even if you do have the time you're not going to occupy that time to do that i don't go on the internet to argue with nobody yeah ever yeah it, it was a the one, one of the ones that bothered me the most was um, somebody was like, I didn't even read the whole article, but this looked crazy. 
Oh, it's just like, God. like you just speak to your your own stupidity when you like when you just take this small screenshot no. of of an interview. How can you form an opinion, opinion about something you didn't even you read? Didn't read it. That and you think I'm sense. supposed to look at you serious? I think it was a blue check mark that said that. Oh, like, I don't know that. I it was like a that. journalist with a blue check mark that said, "I, I ain't read see. all this." But that's I'm, hilarious. I'm I'm not surprised. I did see a blue check mark in there. Are oh, you fucking idiot? Yeah, they got to strip her of her blue check. Take mark. your blue check off. It was another one I seen where um, they were saying like exactly. I see how a lot of times dark skinned black women are depicted a certain way versus light skinned black women in a show. And I'm just like, yo, where are you getting? What's going like, on? What are you talking about? What's going just on? Making stuff up, dog. And and I just I I this is one thing I think that just I don't expect everyone listening to really understand this, but more or less from you know speaking from our experiences, people of color, um, this is some shit we got to work on because I don't we I don't got to dude. I, these conversations are exhausting to me. It is because I don't even think like this, man. Mm-hmm. I don't think like this. Mm-hmm. You got to explain to. Yo, check this out. I was literally on a date with this black woman, and she's like, you don't like nothing but white girls, huh? And I said, excuse me? I was on a date Mm -hmm. with a black woman that accused me of liking white women. Yeah. I was on a date with with a black woman that told me that I only like white girls. Yeah. I like women, period. Mexican, black, white, Asian. I just love women. Yeah. And the thing about it, I got accused of of loving white women by black women whom I was on a date with. I think I think a lot of <laughs> I think a, a lot of people are insecure. Right. But I think I find I think there's a lot of insecurity in those statements, right? Yeah. Because um there I I would like to know the relationship status of the people that are saying these things. Yeah, right? that's true. Like, you know, all, all, all these black women, uh, all these black men dating white women now. I, I don't imagine that somebody that is in a thriving relationship with a black man or just any man is saying, like, is on Twitter having this conversation. That's like, crazy. niggas ain't dating black women no more. I feel like they... That's crazy. You know? These but, statements are just wild, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just, I just think, like... We gotta, we gotta, we gotta look at that a little bit deeper. Like, are yeah. you speaking from your own? And sometimes, sometimes people speak from their own insecurities about their value, right? Mm. You know, like I think that sometimes I hear these conversations, and what you have to realize is that we don't deserve nothing in life. No, we have to earn everything. You have to earn money you have to earn your status you know you have to earn um your job opportunities or your position at the job and you even have to earn your partner and we talked about just now with sierra and russell wilson um where and you know it's it's a i guess it's a known thing that sierra had this prayer around like praying for the type of guy she wanted and i'm sure russell wilson was doing some personal work on himself to you know to attract the type of woman that he wanted in his life and they made a you know they met and they made they put a structure to their relationship Mm -hmm. that allowed them to you know as far as it not even having sex you know what I mean so it's like people that's not willing to put that amount of work in speaking on what they deserve and what 
the community should look like. I wonder if he made it. I wonder if they made it into marriage. I don't know. I, I can't keep, I couldn't be looking at Sierra and not have sex with her. That would be <laughs> that'd be stressful. Yeah. All the one oh six and park videos. I mean, no like, way. Yeah. Especially you, when she first came out with one two step and all that. Oh man. Good God. Russell Good God Wilson Almighty. Russell Wilson was like, oh, I can't wait till we finally get <laughs> jacking off. Oh, I can't wait till we finally tie the knot <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm the quarterback for the Seahawks for crying out loud. Jiminy Crickets. <laughs> you stupid. Oh, shout out to Russell Wilson, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think, man, as a community, um, as, as a black community, we have to stop, like, stop trying to create this separation. There's even conversations about if a if a man is in an interracial relationship, should he be like a spokesperson for That's like crazy, black culture? That's crazy, bro. Like is if should should Donald Glover be able to make Atlanta because he has a white girlfriend? That's crazy. That they even try to get a Kendrick. Like, they said that his they said that Kendrick Lamar's girlfriend wasn't black enough. Oh my god! Remember that shit? Dog, yeah. What the fuck is wrong with people, yo? What's going on? What's that, that, going on? That's the what I what I got from this. It took me down a wormhole, and that's when I knew I had to get off of there. Is um, I was like, dog, y'all try to cancel Jay Z yeah. for joining forces with the NFL to bring the first hip hop Super Bowl. Yeah. Y'all try to cancel Kendrick Lamar because he said he want a girl. With some stretch marks on her ass. Y'all try to cancel J. Cole yeah. because he said be gentle when you talk to people about these, you know, dense issues. Right. Like these are these are three guys that if any if we try to we cancel Nipsey the, at one time. Yeah. Th- that was a little bit different. He said some like edgy stuff about um home homosexuals. But oh, I was um, like, oh, I wasn't talking about that. Go ahead. Oh, okay. But yeah, he did say one of those things. Uh-huh. But um you know, these are three guys and Jay-Z, J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar who are like, you know, if we had uh, to put the people who empower black people the most out of anybody is like they're going to be on the Mount Rushmore of those of the of that of that conversation. And we trying to cancel them. So it's like that's when I um, knew like this is not what I don't want to do is generalize. So this is what I'll say. I don't even want to say black people are trying to cancel <clears throat> other black people i'm not gonna say that i'm gonna say people are trying to cancel jay-z and all of these people that happen to be unhappy in black okay they happen to be black and they are unhappy with their with their whatever their their living situation is because the thing about it is is if you're a person that has some form of joy in your life you don't tend to look at things so backwards yeah, especially looking for reasons to deny someone. It's almost like you're, you're trying to get into the club. You're like you're trying to deny someone access to being black. Like, yeah. like that's crazy. Like think about that. Like I don't think that this the average black person is pointing fingers and judging like that. But I will say they will happen to be they happen to be black and not happy with themselves. Yeah, and they are taking jabs at people. And this this does not need to be a reflection of like our culture it's just a reflection of motherfuckers that ain't shit that happen to be black that have an opinion about successful or helpful affluent black people out in the world and it's ignorant 
You you know what what kind of like turns this whole conversation on on his head is the fact that that's just Twitter. Yeah, exactly. It's not really the real world. Mm-mm. Like you have to realize that as soon as Atlanta come on, people gonna watch it. As soon as he got another show at the forum, like me and Eddie went to a few years ago, people gonna show up. As soon as J Cole drop a song, people gonna listen. As soon as Kendrick Lamar album come out, people gonna rock with it. As soon yep. as Jay Z do whatever, put on another Super Bowl performance, people gonna applaud him for being the first one to put a hip hop, you know. So yep. it's just like sometimes, like I mean, what I realized through this whole conversation, sometimes we get in our own head about like the narratives, and it's only a few thousand people on Twitter, exactly, you know, and it's still people that because even when you look through that 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 uh, Twitter feed, it was still people not even commenting on the article. They just was playing. Um, you just posted uh, a few days ago um, the Stone Mountain and Kawhi mixtape. Yeah. You posted a song off of that. And then when I was scrolling through the timeline, I seen a few people like, yo, this is a classic and stuff like that. So, yeah. Sometimes we realize it's just like something can trend on Twitter. It could be a thousand people. Yeah. So... Yeah, we yeah. Just... it's not real life, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. It's Twitter, and what it is too is it's it's people that are using this this space to uh, to instead of going to therapy, people will um, unpack sh- unpack di- uh, uh, dysfunction on the platform. Yeah, Twitter is not therapy, bro. It's not therapy, bro. Mm-hmm. You need to get off of there. You deleted it. I don't have to delete it because I don't really use it. Yeah, and then. I've learned how to use these apps now. I've I've probably barely learned how to use apps from like not a literal sense. You know how to navigate through them, but learn how to use them meaning you don't occupy your mental. You don't allow it to occupy your mental space. You know, I've I've taken Facebook off. Facebook used to be the one that got to me because mm-hmm. I would post something thinking that it would be something like decent that I could say. I would have something like important to say or whatever, and people would just be firing off shit. You think you're a philosopher or something? Why are you always trying to be a preacher? Why are you judging? And it's like, I'm just, ha- I just have an opinion. Like, why is this a problem? <laughs> people are projecting on. They're projecting you. because yeah. what it is. Sometimes this is the biggest issue no one talks about. Sometimes when people have evaluated in their mind and they think that you're better than them, then they just react in a jealous manner, or they wish that they can have an opinion. Yeah, some people may not be able to have or share their opinion and they mad at you because you yeah. have an opinion some people can't articulate themselves well and they'll be like oh nigga you think you smart because you could use those words and this and that yeah. and it's like no i don't think i'm smart i don't think i'm anything what are you talking about yeah everyone's imprisoned by their own like insecurities really 100 yeah. uh, percent they just uh i just got an update uh lakers just fire frank fogel Oh, nigga, that ain't news. That ain't no news. <laughs> God damn. Uh, hey, yo, real talk. I hate to say this, but I don't think Debo coming back to the Niners. I think he's gone. Nah, they, he, well, he's not a free agent. No, but he's still got a what, like one year left on his contract. Yeah, but basically, he was on a picture with his with one of his friends or something, and it said like uh, anything less than twenty five mil, we ain't talking or whatever. Yeah. You seen it? And then yeah. it, and then in the comments it said slime. I would expect him to hold out. Like they need to pay yeah. him his money. They do. Yeah. They do. Because he he I mean he had to compensate for uh our sorry quarterback. Yeah. What is here's what it says. Grant Cohn found it and then posted it. Shout mm. out to Grant Cohn. It says, if it ain't twenty five M a year, we don't want it. And it was in quote. Mm-hmm. And then uh his boy posted it and then uh it said uh Grant Cohn 
Jason Aponte showed this thread, and it says, uh, uh, in the comments, it says, uh, with D-Boy, says slime. He, uh, yeah, he also, I think he removed the Niners from his bio yeah, and unfollowed them or something. Yeah, he did. I don't know if yeah, it's the ultimate, I don't know if it's the ultimate troll or if, like, he really, like, is like, I'm about to, I'm prepared to not fuck with y'all type shit. Yeah. I mean, the worst he can do this season is hold out, so. Yeah. You know, if you don't get no contract, then, you know, he just, I don't know. But I, I think he deserves the money. He, he played, he had a great year last year. And then also just the integrity of, you know, paying an athlete what they what they worth. And we all we know that um football is a it's a very short career. Yeah. So he may only get one more of these opportunities to really get a bag. Like you you see how, you know, Odell Beckham Odell Beckham never really got a bag because every time he's been up for a contract he's been hurt, you know. Yeah. Well Yeah, there's that. Um not a whole lot else to say. It's just a unfortunate conversation to still have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, switching gears, we'll end it here. Um, recently, uh, the unfortunate passing of quarterback Dwayne ha- <coughs> Dwayne Haskins uh, passed away yesterday morning. Um, he was hit by a car, and after that had happened, uh, NFL insider Adam Schefter uh, broke the news, but he broke it in a way uh, that was kind of fucked up. It, it, yeah, it, it just came off pretty bad. Um, where the hell is it at? I got it right here. What the hell? What's going on? I gotta get a new phone, dude. This is ridiculous. Uh, just the just little shit. You know, when your phone, you know, you gotta get a new phone mm-hmm. because shit starts happening. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it might not save something it's supposed to save. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, but yeah, NFL reporter gets blasted. He basically wrote in quotes, oh, Lord, he wrote in quote, see, it's not even pulling it up. Oh, here it is. This is what Adam Schefter said after Dwayne Haskins was pronounced dead and he got hit by a car. He said, Dwayne Haskins, a standout at Ohio State before struggling to catch on with with Washington and Pittsburgh in the NFL, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida. Per his agent, Cedric Saunders, Haskins would have been turned 25 years old uh, May 3rd. You had to mention he was struggling to catch on the day he died. Like, that's just unnecessary. And players all over the league were fucking killing Adam Schefter online, which he deserved. Mm-hmm. Like, when somebody dies, this is all he had to say. You could cut that part out and say Dwayne Haskins, a standout at Ohio, um, and just skip all that bullshit in the middle, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida per his agent. But you put literally Ohio State before struggling to catch on with it with Washington in the NFL. Like this is not. It's just fluff. It's unnecessary information. Yeah. It's almost like you're reducing him to a person that struggled. That doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. And and the thing about it though is the problem with the way that they cover NFL athletes is they start looking at them as you know almost property of the NFL more than a human being. He mm-hmm. was only twenty four years old, man. He he was he had just got married. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he had a kid though. I could double check that, but Dwayne Haskins, man, he's just a kid. So think about that. I'm thirty seven. This guy was twenty four, mm-hmm. and he was reached the apex of success in his life, which was being an NFL quarterback. Yeah, and that all got taken away from him. Mm-hmm. So this is fucked up. Yeah, I, th- I think that's. Um 
it's very inhumane, even the the way he wrote that out, right? And I think this is a ongoing conversation for us is that these um, journalists, sports commentators, talking heads, whatever you want to call it, they they don't they don't even look at athletes as humans. No. Um, it it's just to like. You would think at a time when somebody loses their life would be the time where you should show the most the most empathy for them and try to like be very careful with um the way you speak about somebody. Mm-hmm. But in a time when somebody loses their lives and mind you they got their family probably on Twitter. They got yeah. you know they they um people that are mourning and they have to they have to be um shown something where you're mentioning the worst moments of their life when the person reading it is experiencing the worst moment of their life it's just like i just don't understand how people can get this type of stuff off and you don't when you write something out like that you mean it yeah you do like what you don't we don't even need an apology after that no because at, at when you when if you try to give us an apology, it shouldn't. It, what it should say is, "I wrote that, and I shouldn't have." <laughs> you know what you, I mean? You're apologizing for the reception you got. You're not mm-hmm. apologizing because you really mean it. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you, you really wrote that. This, you know, okay. Here's the thing. This is what happens when you want to be first to report. Yep. When you want to be first to report, you're like, oh, oh stand out. So you didn't even take the time to articulate that this is a man who lost his life. And you didn't take the time to sit there and really think about it. Like before me and Keith even do a podcast, we have pre-production conversation where we talk for about 30, 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then we finally get on the mic, you know, and this guy didn't even take time to write it. At least write it. If you're going to do a tweet, I say you should physically write it down and read it before you tweet it. I think when it's dealing with death, for sure. Yeah. And here's the worst part. There's another one. Uh, a former executive or ex-Cowboys executive, Gil Brandt, apologizes for his awful comments. And this is what Gil Brandt said. This is a 90-year-old man, by the way. They should have never asked this motherfucker shit. He's older than Joe Biden. They should have just left him the fuck alone. <laughs> uh, basically, he described, Gil Brandt described him as a guy living to be dead. Criticized his deci- his decision to leave school early and speculated maybe if he stayed in school a year, he wouldn't do silly things. Alluding to Haskins reportedly getting hit by a truck while walking on the interstate for unknown reasons. But I guess he had somebody had nipped his car. Mm. So somebody had nipped his car and he got out of the car and that's when he got hit by a dump truck. Oh, come on, dog. But you said he was doing silly things. What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Yeah. And but and then he was going like he went on a tangent that he was all over the place. This guy's got dementia. Mm-hmm. So stop interviewing 90-year-old people. He's older than the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, damn near. Like franchises. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It, like you can't ask this guy questions, man. Yeah. This guy doesn't know where the fuck he is. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's unfortunate, man. Like I just I just wish we spoke from a place of like just care for people, you know. It's is it's sad when we see like um like you said, like people just trying to people trying to be first, trying to jump out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Adam Schefter. I have to break news. I have to mm-hmm. break news on Twitter. Like yeah. all for the sake of like 
disrespecting another human being. What you learn about a lot of people who are successful at ESPN is all of them have one thing in common. They're cutthroat and they're pieces of shit on the low. We seen what uh what's her name? Uh the the chick they got they let her go, the, the white chick that did basketball. Mm. White chick that did basketball? Yeah, she did she had that show, was it called The Jump? Oh, uh Rachel, Rachel Nichols. Yeah. Rachel Nichols was this very like progressive white yeah, woman yeah, yeah. that was always talking about things for people of color and all of this. But when it came down to it, there was they, she mentioned she wasn't giving up her seat for a black woman. <laughs> What about the fact that there are athletes that find out they're traded on social media? Oh, my God. That's terrible. Their whole life has changed. They got to go to a whole other city. Yeah. And, like, Wojnarowski is, you know, tweeting out the news. Yeah. It looks like what it looks – it's been players where they've been in a bar or someone with their family having a good time, and they said the proposed trade is for this player and five other players in draft picks, and he's watching it with his family like – there's no way this is fucking real. Thinking everything is good. They finalized the trade. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't get mad at NFL players or athletes that want to get their money. Because this is generational wealth type money you can get. If you can make $25 million a year over a span of three years, five years, whatever it is, then get it. Because you might fuck around and have CTE. Your family needs to be taken care of, man. That's fast. And Debo Samuel put his body through enough. Last season, if the if the Niners don't pay him, somebody will. They owe. I mean, they owe him that money. You gave Jimmy Garoppolo sorry. You need to justify giving Jimmy sorry fucking ass all that goddamn money, and you don't want to pay Debo. You better cut. You better cut Jimmy sorry fucking ass. <laughs> yeah. He like they want to. Supposedly he's still on the team, and they want him to you know rehab his shoulder and throw the ball, and then hopefully some. No, just cut him. It's a lot of money. You're not cutting Jimmy Garoppolo. No, but you you well you'll you'll be off the hook for the money though. No, if, if you cut him, he got a he has some guaranteed money in there. He got some, but it's it's they're off the hook for a lot of it. So if you I don't cut know it, what his contract looked like, but yeah, it was 20, 20, 24 something, almost twenty five million a year. How much was guaranteed? Uh, I don't remember how much was guaranteed, but mm-hmm. I know he the the no trade clause shit is gone. But nobody wants to trade for him because even like. He just sorry, bro. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with his injury, mm-hmm. you know, because they took back uh, Jameis Winston, who had a more severe injury. It was an ACL, and they took him he's back. He's training. I mean, he's already he going to play open tonight, though, right? Yeah, and he's been training. But here's the thing. He's coming off a serious injury. Yeah, but Jimmy Garoppolo is injured. Yeah? Yeah. That's, that's still. Jimmy Garoppolo is also trash. But, exactly. You know, it's just like, it's that, just so it doesn't matter. Nobody <laughs> wanted him anyways. Nobody yeah. want that dude. Yeah, but Peyton Manning came basically like low key retired. He had a whole neck surgery mm-hmm. with a big ass fucking Frankenstein scar up his neck, mm-hmm. and they st- and the, the Broncos still took him. So nobody yeah. cares about injuries as long as you got a name, they'll take a risk. Yeah, it's facts. Yeah, but no, man, uh, we'll wrap this thing up, man. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Dwayne Haskins, man. He mm-hmm. was just a kid. He was only 24 years old. Yeah, rest in peace. He still had a shot at being a starting quarterback in the NFL for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. You know, they and th- it speaks volumes of what, what he was doing. He was actually out there, um, and he was training with the quarterback. They just got Mitchell Trubisky. He was training with his teammate, his competition. So it says a lot about Dwayne Haskins, that he was, one of, he was out there with teammates 
working out on the off season. That's so sad, bro. And he died at a tw- as a twenty four year old man. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't even live. Like you're not even living life yet at that age, man. I think about not only the 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 people mourning, but also like how instantly the uh, the breadwinner of the family is gone. A hundred percent. You know, yeah. Like in you're le- you, the family is just left to scramble around and, and make something happen. You know? I don't I don't know how much of whatever contract I, I don't know. It all depends on the organization um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they're willing to do mm-hmm. and how much they're willing to fork out and whatever. Whether that they, they might we don't know. You know they might pay out the rest of his contract to the family. But but even with all that, if you're not constantly bringing in money then it's going to dissipate someday unless they 100%. find some way to put some money and reinvest it. But just from, I guess, my, I guess, own idea about how those family dynamics usually work, mm-hmm. it's usually a really wealthy football player, mm-hmm. and then the wife is probably taken care of or the you know the family is probably you know taken care of by the person. The person, yeah. Yeah, so... I just, yeah, I just, I hope that, oh man, it just, that's terrible. There's been a couple of deaths that have happened over the years that have been just bad. Mm-hmm. Sean Taylor's was just terrible. Such a stud, kid. man. Yeah, he was a tough Every player. year they post his highlight reel, it's like, dog. He, he was going to be in the Hall of Fame Probably for sure. the best, you know, pound for pound. Yeah. He's yeah. a really good safety. Yeah. Him, and then another one was uh, Chris Henry, the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. The way he died, he died because he was he jumped in the back of the uh, his girlfriend's tailgate, and I guess she hit a bump, and, and he flew out the back and hit the concrete and died while the car was moving. Damn. Yeah, Chris Henry died, and I, I think uh, Chris uh, Chad Johnson, you know, still looks like after his kids and stuff here and there. He had a daughter wow. or two. Wow, wow, that's yeah. dope. Yeah. yeah, that's just fucked up, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, there's that, man. Um, I like to say. Um, we really appreciate, once again, we really appreciate everybody who makes it to the end of these podcasts because, you know, sometimes I, me or Keith could be rambling about something and you might want to tune out, but you stick with us and we, we thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, this is a special moment because it's the fourth year that we've done this podcast. Yeah. And who knows where we'll be in five or six years. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll be in a whole new studio and we may be working for a network by then. We may have uh, assistants. We may have editors. We may have cameramen. We may have a whole crew of people. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know where we're going to go, but I just hope you guys stay along for the journey. But until then, thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. We're out of here. Peace.